This is Fight Together. In this series, we explore the major themes, stories, influences, and ideas in One Piece, as well as the reverberations it has made in the real world. We do not shy away from the uncomfortable. We critique and criticize, and we explore topics that polarize. We hope you listen with open minds and open hearts. This is Episode 8, Film and Media. This is Fight Together, and today we're going to talk all about film and media and the influences on Oda and One Piece and vice versa. And to join us here, uh, I have my co-host, Shannon Strucci. How's it going, Shannon? Going great. Great. And we also have Brian Newton, uh, my other co-host today. How's it going, Brian? It's going all right. And today uh, is, I think, for the first time, uh, our crossover episode. And we are crossing over <laughs> with the Toho Yaro uh, podcast. Um, so first, we have Eisner Award nominated uh, artist of Merman and co-host of Toho Yaro, Joey Weiser. How's it going, Joey? Hello. Hello and welcome, which is what I usually say at the beginning of Toho Yaro. <laughs> <laughs> I should have let you introduce it this week. Yeah. <laughs> We also have, uh, joining us again here, we have V, also a co-host at Toharyaru. Hi, everybody. Hey, V. And a co-host of Toharyaru and the One Piece podcast, uh, also on Super Art Fight and a lot more. It would take me a while to go through all of Alex Kazanis' credits. How's it going, Alex? Hey. Hey. Wow, I've never been on a podcast before. This is going to be <laughs> So I know you're all very new at this, so we'll, we'll take it slow here. Um, so today we're talking about media and film. It's a very open-ended topic, which we were talking about before. Uh, and last season on, on the Fight Together podcast, we talked a lot about art and artists. So we're going to probably mm-hmm. skew a little more towards cinema and film and literature and, uh, but, uh, and music a little bit. Um, and probably do a little bit still of, uh, you know, comic, uh, stuff since it is us we're talking about, but before we get started, we should, we should go around the room, talk about, uh, you know, favorite films, influences and and all that. Joey, do you want to introduce yourself and, uh, you know, what, what, uh, influences you the most? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, I'm Joey Weiser. I'm a cartoonist, uh, as Zach had mentioned some of my credits and so comics uh and anime and manga and stuff are a big influence but i'm also a huge uh film fan and especially japanese films and that really started um i don't know uh 10 plus years ago when um uh well it started when i was a little kid being in love with godzilla so godzilla is probably one of my number one film influences and then besides that um Finding out about the Chuck Yarrow series, a series of comedies starring um, some actors that are that kind of make appearances in uh, One Piece, um, and through that One Piece connection, I found out about those movies and thought that that sounded really weird and interesting. And through trying to track those down, I kind of rediscovered my love for these kind of uh, '60s and '70s uh, Godzilla era 
uh, Japanese films, and that really kind of set me uh, on a course to what that I'm still on today, co-hosting a Japanese film club podcast and whatnot. Well, I should also ask, and on. Uh, I, I guess this is open to, to all of you. Um, it, it's, it's just like what spurred uh, the the want, the need to talk about Japanese cinema every month uh, on Toho Yaro. Oh, sure. Well, uh, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I think it was kind of in the uh, <laughs> early fever of, of me being super, super into the stuff. Uh, independently of one another, uh, V and Alex both approached me uh, saying that they thought it would be cool to do a Japanese movie podcast with me. And uh, so the three of us got together and started that. And um, yeah, the way the podcast works is that um, every episode it used to be monthly. Now it's uh, more or less uh, every other week, something like that, if we can manage it. And it's like one of the hosts picks a movie and we all watch it. And then that host is kind of steering the ship uh, for that episode and uh, we summarize it um, briefly and then kind of pick it apart, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, and that really just came from, I think, me being really into this stuff and uh, as well as V and Alex, I don't want to speak for them, but them being uh, interested in it too and thinking it would be fun to talk about. Uh, v, I'll throw it to you next. All those questions. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I just like film in general. I have a few genres that I especially like. Uh, it's weird because I I like modern, well not modern, but like '90s big budget action dumb stuff, but mm. also a lot of classic stuff. So my favorite movies are probably uh, The Third Man and Demolition Man side by side. <clears throat> um, That's an amazing combo. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but the, the reason I wanted to do a podcast on Japanese film was mostly to see more of it. I'm kind of bad about falling back into like comfort food things. So I figured having a regular podcast where I had a more specific reason to sit down and watch something would kind of broaden my horizons. Cause I, I have had seen a, a fair bit of mostly cult and a little bit of samurai, uh, film before, but I just wanted to have a more broad exploration and the Toho Yaro has been an incredible venue to do that. I love the idea of a podcast as an accountability, like, <laughs> like <laughs> valve for you. Like I got to do this. Might as well make a podcast about it. So I make sure to do it because I'm, I'm also that way with um, comfort food. So maybe I should start doing that. Uh, Alex. Yeah, that's the thing I like oh, about on, it. it. Just, yeah, it's just that I, I also kind of have my preferences and if I uh, left to my own devices, I'll just wallow in that <laughs> all the time. And uh, it's nice to have uh, Alex and V like bring something that maybe I've heard of and had always been meaning to get to, but wouldn't be motivated to otherwise or something I've never even heard of and forced me to watch that. It's really fun. Yeah. It was fun coming on your guys' show, even though the, the movie itself was, uh, was, uh, not, you know, comical in, in any mm. sense. It was still, it, you know, it got me out of my comfort zone for that reason. And so I do appreciate that. Um, Alex. Yeah. Uh, well, I love movies. Um, Movies inspire me a lot. I uh, anything that's entertainment related that I can kind of consume, I really enjoy. Uh, I'm big into comics. The things that inspire me in terms of comics or or in movies really are anything kind of lighthearted, something comedic, something that sort of like lifts me up, makes me feel good. 
Um, I've mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, I think on the last Fight Together podcast that I was on, uh, Bone is a huge, uh, like yeah. I love Bone a lot. Uh, one of the greatest comic works, I think, of all time. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really great fantasy, uh, lighthearted fantasy meets Disney-esque type thing. It's really great. To follow um, up, you got you did you? I think you ordered it for Steve, our other One Piece I podcast did. co-host. I right? did. Like I think very recently after that, I, I ordered the book for Steve. I have no idea if he's read it or not. I, probably not. Oh, he had, he's never read Bone. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ordered it for him uh, as like an early Christmas gift. Uh, this is not a call out at all, but I haven't <laughs> seen him tweet about it, so I'm assuming he hasn't read it yet. Because if like if I had read it, I'd be tweeting all about it and telling everybody well, all about what it. what might be funny <laughs> is between the time we record this and release this episode, he might just, you know, go on a spree. Who knows? He might just I hope uh, so, yeah. post if all that. If not, we can go crack his little bald head. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Brian said that, not me. So I'm going to... But yeah, the, uh, and as far as film goes, you know, for a long time, I was sort of, I, I sort of relied on nostalgia for the types of films that I love. Like, you know, it, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie of all time. Um and despite the fact that, you know, Star Wars has a history of, you know, capitalism behind it and uh, what? Empire, Empire, well, you know, merchandising, yeah. merchandise, oh. uh, the uh, and, you know, all the crappy discourse that comes with it. Empire, for me, remains this really uh, interesting uh, peak of uh, of weird, weird filmmaking where like, yeah, it's in this it's in this really weird area of this franchise where uh, this is one of the. Like it's it's a perfect uh, movie in terms of uh, like uh, script and staging and stuff, and it's uh, the rest of the movies that follow it and come before it are just merely okay. I think um, I, I think Pulp Fiction was the first movie that I saw that really made me seriously think about like how filmmaking is. Uh, I, I I mean I remember uh, Shannon when you watched In Bruges, you had sort of a similar epiphany, right? It was, was hot that- hot fuzz. Me, Hot fuzz that, that like made me like complete. But I understand what you're talking about. Just That's like, a- oh god, movies can do this. That yeah, movies. <laughs> yeah. Like that was sort of like my. Th- I remember in college. That's when I sort of really started getting into film a lot. And um, uh, I have a uh, you know, a a separate like shelf in my mind for like here are movies that I like because of nostalgia, and here are movies that I love because they're really well made and and have a message to say. Uh, like um. Like I would say that like my top three films are probably like in my in my in my mind or, or that I'm thinking of and like up my head Empire uh, of course Big Lebowski and uh, Rushmore and I think Superbad is in there too just because of how like <laughs> yeah. it evokes these high school memories but uh, I recently watched um, the Before trilogy by Richard Linklater and um, uh, it kind of struck me as to like it's basically just these two characters are having a conversation the entire movie and that's all the movie really is. Uh, and it sort of speaks to what I kind of look for in a film now, where I want it to sort of uh, be well made. I want it to uh, go somewhere. I want it to evoke something, have some sort of meaning behind it. But also, uh, I'd like to be able to see the kind of relationship that the cast has with the director. That kind of thing. I don't know. Like hmm. that's sort of what I, I get out of movies these days. Um, and I'd like for them to be a little more lighthearted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh as far as Toho Yaro goes, the nice thing about Japanese film is that there are a whole breadth of genres that Japanese film can cover. Like I, I usually get on a rant about how animation isn't a genre, it's a medium. And the Japanese film is the same way. It's 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 just it's many different genres within a different scope. Uh and the nice thing about Toho Yaro is I think uh one of the 
secret origins of Toho Yaro is that we all kind of wanted to watch more film as well. And we each, uh, the nice thing about the master list that we have conceived for the show is that everybody has their own like list of movies that we want to cover at some point. And uh, if it weren't for Joey, I would never have watched any Torasan movies, wouldn't even know who Torasan was. Uh, and I really gravitate towards those. And, uh, and, and V, I wouldn't really have delved into Ozu uh, if we hadn't like covered autumn mm-hmm. afternoon, to be perfectly honest, and mm. now I've I've kind to I've come to sort of revere Ozu uh, in a realm sort of higher than uh, like Kurosawa is very easily the uh, the easy like oh yeah I love Japanese film I love Akira Kurosawa but he's very much I think the easy choice when it comes to picking stuff just because he's so widely known uh, and Ozu I guess it comparatively is also pretty widely known within like. Uh, quote unquote film Twitter, but uh, <laughs> I don't think I would have really explored uh, these slice of life type you know movies if it weren't for V and and requesting Autumn Afternoon that one time. So I think that the nice thing about Toho Yaro, like the really nice thing, is in addition to uh, you know this budding friendship between uh, these two individuals who I call my co-hosts, uh, it's it's getting to experience the full uh, full oeuvre of um, of these Japanese filmmakers and uh, and it's, it's really refreshing too, just because uh, I mean, this is the case with international film uh, as it is anyway, uh, you know, it's international uh, sentimentalities. We get new genres and and new um, and and new pieces of the visual medium. So uh, it's, it's a really cool exploration. And, and the thing that really sucks about, Toho Yara is that it also pigeonholes us into covering only Japanese films. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, but then, of course, that leads you to uh, looking into other uh, films as well. Um, uh, as of today, I should be getting my uh, Criterion Sale uh, box in, in the mail today. And um, I blind bought Three Colors, uh, which is uh, a series of, of French films that I know nothing about. But, um, but my girlfriend was like, oh, yeah, we got to watch these now. Um, and... Uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, just kind of exploring new venues of film at, at you know at any at any cost. So that's sort of where I'm at in terms of film. And sorry if that was one big run-on sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ozu in Blue. I like of the Three Colors trilogy. I like. I don't remember anything about it, but I liked it. Cool. Yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to to checking it out. Uh, I know Jacques Tati is another like big name that comes up in in like film Twitter. Um, I, I know nothing of Jacques Tati's work except for there is a Criterion box that I almost bought, um, but I decided to cool it. You've already <laughs> you've already spent a little more than you're used to. Uh, as a side note, I'd also like to credit Joey and Alex with actually getting me to pay attention to One Piece in a way that I had not previously, mm. uh, because it was just something kind of in the background of my life that I knew about, uh, but never actually like paid attention to, uh, let alone read week to week like I do now. Um, Yeah, I think there were some after episode recording sessions where we stayed on the mic sometimes and Alex and I would just be like, oh man, blah, 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 like excitedly talking about One Piece and then be like, and so V, by the way, this is what we're talking about. And we'd (laughs) send you a link to an image or something. And um, yeah, that was fun. (laughs) It's the it's the opposite of all of our shows. Um, (laughs) It's the inverse. (laughs) Um, okay, we're done. Let's let's finish this. Bye. 
<laughs> that's not what I meant, but yes, that too. Um, Shannon, I want to I want to ask you and Brian the same question, um, since I know you also um, are you you both I think are very into film as well. Oh, and I media. Have, uh, I got no? my start doing video essay work on uh, film theory, film history videos, and I went to film school. And um, in my primary work is as a video essayist. Mm -hmm. And I not during not Corona times, I panel at conventions to talk about like film making, film theory, that sort of stuff. So I'm really, really into movies. Not as much as I was a few years ago. I've kind of lost. I think I've gotten more cynical about it. And, and I have less like optimism and interest in it. But I still love the, the art of filmmaking and film history from like silent films and the Lumieres all the way up to today. And my, my favorite movies are usually dark comedies, horror films, kind of like the opposite of what Alex was talking about. I like kind of downer, <laughs> weird, nihilistic stuff uh, and, and uh, that kind of thing. And as a video essayist, my, my biggest influences are probably Adam Curtis, Werner Herzog, um, Mike Stoklasa, Tony Joe, and, and those sorts of people. Just watching mm -hmm. a, a lot of their work and, and, and not being as good as any of them, but trying. <laughs> Now I love the idea of Shannon and Alex introducing movies they think the other would not be interested in. Man Bites Dog. It's the feel-good movie of the decade or whatever. <laughs> well, I do, I do enjoy dark comedies, as long as there's a comedy yeah. piece to it. I am not a horror film mm -hmm. fan, though. Like, horror films, I, I, I scare pretty easily. That's my... Like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing, that, the thing that absolutely sucks is that I want to watch the Babadook so bad because I hear it's so good, huh. and uh, I and everybody's like, "You gotta watch it," and I'm like, ah, but "I might get scaled." Like it's <laughs> Shannon. Let me let me put this into context here. Uh, we went to the One Piece Tokyo Tower, um, oh, and we went through <laughs> Brooks' exhibit in the tower. And Alex got jump scared multiple times in One Piece Tokyo Town. No wonder you complain about Thriller Bark. This is, this is for, it's supposed to be for children. <laughs> I'm going to bully both of them into covering Pulse at some point. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's one uh, thing about uh, our show that might be lacking is that we don't cover a lot of, like, legitimate horror movies just because of Alex and my tastes. But, um. Uh, I think it's probably going to happen eventually. <laughs> yeah, we got to watch them. Like, like as far as uh, like House is kind of like where my uh, where my interests lie, where it's like really campy, also kind of creepy, or something like uh, One Cut of the Dead, where it's it does you know it's it it's got a uh, got a bit of a um, you know a different POV to it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, House is one of my favorite movies of all time. Period. So, but it's it's not really a horror movie. <laughs> it's kind of a horror it's movie. It's a banana movie. I like mm -hmm. those too. <laughs> it is a banana uh, movie, I would agree. Brian, I want to give I want to give you a chance to answer the same uh litany of questions. Yeah, I won't be nearly as in depth. Uh, oh, me neither. Because I'm like <laughs> half brain dead. Uh I stayed up way too late watching Samurai Cop and then watched the down shot of the dead. Uh so yeah, my entrance into like film and filmmaking really comes through television because I just like television more. Uh, the serial, the serial format, the fact that like you can tell stories very quickly and very succinctly and then move on to the next one. So if like, Hey, that one episode doesn't really 
fit your jive, guess what? You get to do it again later and hopefully improve. Uh, but like the, 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 the stories of the films, I remember having the biggest impact on me, like, Alex already stole Empire Strikes Back from me, so he's dead forever. But, uh, <laughs> you were yeah. very violent today, Brian. <laughs> I told you, I'm, I watched Samurai Cop. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the like Star Wars is a, is a gimme. But like, uh, I think the str- the films that have the strongest impact on me and even my career is a uh, Brave Little Toaster. Uh. and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Batman the uh, the Mask of the Phantasm. Oh yeah, that's Batman yeah. movie. Best Batman movie, best Batman mm-hmm. too, best Joker in a, in a lot of ways. You know, but, um, uh, it, you know that there, there's like a weird, uh, it, Brave Little Toaster is it, it's sort of like in in limbo, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, who owns the rights? Yeah, yeah, like uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't think anybody owns the rights, but nobody can own the rights or something like that. That's bizarre. It's something like that. Like I remember when Schrodinger's Disney Plus movie that's very. Weird. It's like a koan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like Disney Plus released their like like you know roster or whatever of movies and yeah. they have the two they Brave the Little sequels. Toaster sequels, but Which not I've, the original. I, I'll, oh I'll never watch those sequels, even though I worked with a guy who worked on the 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 Moon one. Nice dude, but I was like, I'm not watching a movie. Brave Little Toaster <laughs> goes to the moon. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I remember seeing that like when Disney Plus dropped, obviously first episode of Mandalorian, but then I was like, okay, Return to Oz. And then I was looking for Brave Little Toaster and it wasn't on there. I was like, what the fuck? Because I watched it on <laughs> Disney Channel way back in the day. Uh, yeah, that, that that film has like a surreal quality to it that is not found in most animation features. And then like a lot of like the genesis to the Pixar model came through because like Joe Raft was one of mm. the story, uh, storyboard artists and directors on that. And then I think Lasseter, if I have to say his name, also worked on that movie. Yeah. Uh, mm. Like as a supervising kind of like supporting role, so like it has a like a very strong genesis to how we view most modern uh, CG uh, animated feature films today. But it doesn't get the credit because it was like a Sundance darling, and it didn't have like mm. the big Disney library promoting it. So there's like no merchandise or anything like that. We were talking about Star Wars merchandise. That's in 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 American entertainment for sure. A lot of the reasons why film gets any sort of like credence or like a, a, a popular demand or last ability is because there's like a ton of merchandise behind it. Yeah. Or franchise, like just being part of a franchise. Right, yeah. 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 If it's a sequel and a blockbuster and all that shit, now like our, uh, our industry or uh, media movie industry is just consumed by that. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my take. Yeah. So, so you guys, you're, you're all, uh, experts in your field. I will, uh, I will, I will dub that to be the case. Um, now when it comes to one piece and, uh, media influences, we were talking also before the show, the fact that, for example, just as an example, Oda has a full size Terminator, uh, in his Mm -hmm. office. Um, Mm -hmm. He is someone who is seemingly obsessed with media um, in a in a in a deep way. The fact that Sanji was based on uh, Mis- I think Mr. Pink from Mr. Reservoir Pink. Dogs, right? Yeah, yeah Steve Buscemi. Yep. Steve Buscemi char- Steve Buscemi's character. Um, he's hip with the kids. That's how we know Sanji's. Uh... <laughs> Sanji always says hello, fellow kids, with a skateboard. Um, I was shopping for a skateboard earlier today, even though I turned thirty-eight this year, and I've never felt more like that image. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm I'm right with you, V, because I was like, you know what? A skateboard's probably a pretty good way to get around. <laughs> That's awesome, though. 
Good for, I fall good off for and both like, of hit you. my head. I don't think I yeah, can do I, it. I, I no, can yeah. never get it to go, so that's why I've never owned a skateboard. I would yeah. do rollerblades. I don't think I would do a skateboard. Mm, that seems riskier. <laughs> it's all risky when you're in your 30s. Um, but yeah. beyond beyond that, um, so I, I'll, I'll ask all of you, what what uh, are like some of the biggest influences that you see in One Piece that really pop out at you as like we're all – in the United States, so like it's it's kind of I think also also a unique thing to see. But like, what what pops out to all of you? You know, jump ball here, anyone? Uh, Baroque works is Reservoir Dogs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was one of the first things that I I definitely noticed. He um, loves Tarantino. I think he has mentioned yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, like the code names. I I think I and Baroque works. I, to me, there's no other like there's no better. Uh, group of of like I mean CP9 I guess is up there too but for me I love the cheesiness of the code names like it's it's very like I don't know it seems very uh, get well, smarty was, as well there was know? a uh, a nineteen sixties my cat's talking uh, there was a nineteen sixties television one of the guests show. today yeah <laughs> and they also got remade I think like a maybe a decade ago called the prisoner. Yeah, I did want to mention the prisoner because I, right. Shannon, I know you're a huge, a huge. I'm fan. a huge like weirdo for. That. I love the prisoner so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I've admittedly still never seen it, and I feel like during quarantine, this is this should have been the time where I just sat down and watched all of it. It's but. only 17 mm. episodes. It's, it's pretty easy to get through. Alex, it's got one of it. the best openings to a show of all time. And I know that I know that the bit from The Simpsons with the bubble, uh, mm-hmm. that's from yes. the prisoner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a Lupin Part Two episode with the bubble and everything, and I was watching. I was like, "What?" <laughs> like it's a, the weird visuals that people took from it. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to watch the prison at some point. But yeah, any anything with like uh, like the the code names, the numbered code names, or the holiday code names, to me that just screamed Baroque works. But uh, you know, that's that's honestly the first thing that I know. Miss Father's but, Day and Mister Eleven. Uh, Mister Seven, the first. Uh, seven, the, two, seven. the two best. Well, the two best agents. Yes. If we're gonna go to like the first kind of like beyond media poll, I think Otis did. I think Django is oh, the, yeah. the obvious Michael Jackson parallel. Like, who couldn't miss that? Yeah, come on, so, Alex. <laughs> well, I, I have a I have a new theory on Django um, because I'm Django's number one fan. Uh, the uh, we talked about this pretty recently on an episode with Greg, but I think that uh, because of Oda's friendship with Kazuki Yao, uh, spanning like uh, very early days of One Piece, like um, during the One Piece OAV um, times, uh, I happen I, I believe that uh, rather than being lifted like be, lifting Michael Jackson completely, there's definitely. Oh, Obviously, yeah, there's, there's Yao in there for sure. Yeah, I think that I think that Django is modeled after Kazuki Yao. It looks exactly like him. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Like, no, is, I agree. Is, I, I agree with that. <laughs> is Kazuki Yao modeled after Michael Jackson? I guess that might be. <laughs> See, that's the yeah because he does he moonwalks. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's the, the yeah the elephant in the room here. Yeah, he definitely like he moonwalks with the hat in front of his face and all that stuff. So it, it's maybe I think the Yao thing is a really interesting and and very likely. Uh, yeah. element to it, which yeah. I had never thought of, and that's really awesome. But it's, like, it's Yao's face, and it's obviously Yao's voice. But like, almost everything <laughs> it else is, is Michael just Jackson. Like, He's got yeah. the thought, the socks, and the yeah. The shoes because and the I mean, when when we're creating characters, you always have to do a composite, or you're just ripping off or doing a parody. And he's yeah. not doing parody. He doesn't do a lot. Yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, this kind of takes me to something that I was going to talk about. I mean, like, 
um, Oda is known for taking models of lots of different kinds of people that he meets in the world. Like Greg's talked about that, about how anytime um, Oda meets someone who he thinks is interesting, uh, they will become a one piece character basically. (laughs) And this also goes for like seeing people uh, on TV or elsewhere. We see like musicians like Eminem for um, Eneru and stuff. Um, I remember, sorry to interrupt, but I remember back in the day on Arlong Park, there was like this person who put together, I don't know when, it feels like a really long time ago, put together, these are all the famous people that Oda used in One Mm. Piece, and a lot of them were definitely fake. Yeah, you can still find that around if you did. I'm sure, I'll I'll dig through it as we speak here, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I like some of them, like uh, like Ace Ventura for Frankie. <laughs> yeah, there's some that like are that. like who the but, who knows, but me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, a big one for me is the Marine admirals and the Marines in general. Uh, the Marines having this kind of like yeah. big uh, Yakuza movie vibe about them—the way they wear their jackets, the way they all have the same like aviator sunglasses and stuff, and the way they sit in halls—it uh, kind of mimics the way that is a big Yakuza uh, meeting and stuff, which is reflected in uh, movies like Battles Without Honor and Humanity, these kind of classics from the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, and that is is really interesting, uh, kind of giving the, the good guys, the quote-unquote good guys of the Navy, um, a spin to make them look like, you know, uh, you know, um, bad guys essentially yeah, lawless uh, ruffians yeah yeah um but it also kind of gives them this air of authority because that's the other thing about yakuza's that they're usually kind of ruling a town with an iron fist or something like that um and then when we get to the admirals uh, specifically and some of the vice admirals they're actually modeled after uh film actors uh mostly japanese film actors from the 70s uh, uh that a lot of them are these kind of gangster type uh actors and that was a big thing for me, kind of as I had alluded to earlier. Um, I definitely remember the first one I noticed as like looking like a caricature is Kizaru. Like this was after a few others like Aokiji and I think maybe Aki, you know, had already been introduced. But like I remember reading and being kind of a little more ignorant of all this stuff and seeing Kizaru's character design and just being like, okay, what the heck? Who is this guy? <laughs> because <laughs> he just jumps out and looks so interesting. And 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 turns out that he's modeled after an actor, uh, Kunye Tanaka, who's a really great character actor who has a very, very distinct face um, and uh, specifically modeled after his character Borsalino 2 from the uh, film Chakyaro 2, the second Chakyaro film, um, where he's a sort of gangster-like uh, truck driver who kind of comes into town and challenges uh, one of our main characters to a race and stuff. And um, then besides that, you've got, uh, you know, Bunta Sugawara, the kind of king of 70s uh, Yakuza films, uh, and, plays Akaino. Yeah, and they they What's even that? did the co-branding that Pepper, was a Pepper brand? I forget, the, there was a food item that they... Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, that actor, Sugawara, yeah. had a, a, a line of, like, hot peppers that uh, Oda drew the bottle yeah. for and made him look more like a um, the more like he he looked that at that time like an older guy, but still uh, chomping on a <laughs> pepper like a cigar and looking super tough. <laughs> I love that uh, image. Which I thought yeah. was great. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a big thing for me is kind of identifying these um, 
these actors and figuring out where he's drawing from. And um, yeah, like Alex said, I'm a huge fan of the Torreson films, which stars Kunye Tanaka, or no, stars uh, um, uh, Kiyoshi Atsumi. And he's uh, the model for Chaton, one of the vice admirals, who's just kind of a cameo character who pops up here and there. Uh, and stuff like that is just uh, fun for me and, and really is the thing that sent me down a rabbit hole of uh, investigating deeper into Japanese film than just sort of monster movies and sci-fi movies and, and things like that, uh, which is kind of the base level that a lot of uh, Japanese film gets brought over here is the sort of, you know, sci-fi or or the criterion level, you know, Kurosawa type stuff. I mean, it's it's like there there's a a combination for me i can only speak personally here like for for example i only heard of daft punk because i watched toonami back in the year 2000 mm. whatever um and you know there's definitely like you know a feeling like oh i'm nerdy and i found you know i got interested in this thing because of this other nerdy thing that i that yeah, I, yeah. Uh, that i like but at the same time it's really cool that like it could uh, throw you into the deep end of Japanese cinema or whatever it might be, just being like, oh, I'm enjoying one piece. Oh, wait, now I, I didn't realize all these other things are about it. Um, I'm looking at this ridiculous, ridiculous list that I, I'm almost positive was on Arlong Park. It was published in 2013, it says, but um, where I'm trying to like, I think the only, I mean, I remember there was that Hugo Boss model that kept coming up as the Pauly. I remember. And Mick Foley, I think, as a, a spandom, we all were familiar with that. <laughs> and Tim Curry as Evenkoff, I think, was a very popular um, one. Uh, George Clooney as Iceberg, I don't remember ever hearing or seeing. That's, I don't know about that one. Yeah, that stretch. seems ridiculous to me. Stretch. That's yeah, why I'm mentioning it. It seems a little... I like the Harvey Keitel one, because I had yeah, never thought yeah. about that. And that one's obvious, like, oh yeah, he took that. How do you feel about the uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan ace comparison? Eh. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a little bit. Of, I mean, like you can put. A He's hat wearing on a hat. Yeah, that's yeah. what that is. That's what it is. Uh, we we make fun a lot of people in like the One Piece thing of uh, oh they have the same hair color, therefore they're related. And I think that's like mm-hmm. kind of yeah. I think that this li- list, of course, predates Dressrosa because yes, Steven yeah. Tyler is very obviously Diamante. Yes. Like that yeah. that's a very very obvious one to one. He even has his <laughs> fucking microphone. <laughs> I like by the way that my favorite one on this list. You could just search like one piece inspiration list you'll find it. Um Al Capone, Capone Beige. Like wow. Really? Like, some inspirational <laughs> stuff here on Wow. This. What Freddie a Mark- put Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Freddie- <laughs> to be fair. Freddie Mercury as Lulu, I forgot. That that was a very obvious mm-hmm. one at that time, I, I, I rec- as I recall. Um, I forgot his name was Peepy Lulu. Peepy Lulu. I've watched that forever. <laughs> Sounds like a home movies character name or something. <laughs> They've got Michael Jackson as Tony Jones. That's a stretch. Uh, that is. To me, we're talking about stretches. That's like a hair thing there too. That is like, oh, they have similar hair, I guess. Like not even really. It's like but a, a little vaguely bit. similar hair texture. So he's definitely based on. You gotta, you gotta fill a list up. You know, you gotta you gotta yeah, make it an yeah. even grid. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, yeah, I think I yeah, think Lenny ahead, Kravitz. Alex. Lenny Kravitz is the model for uh, for Mister Five. I think that was confirmed. 
Same with uh, Enru uh, and uh, and Eminem. He did confirm mm-hmm. some. Like there are yeah. some that he's like, oh yeah, I basically. Have you ever seen this movie? Um, and well, I think I, someone. I, had, yeah, go ahead. I I don't remember where it's covered. It's definitely covered in one of the One Piece magazines. But um, he did cite the Little Mermaid as being like a huge um inspiration for him. Like he would draw straight up like freeze frame and like draw characters from Little Mermaid. Well, the. I mean, the Flotsam and Jetsam are yeah. but like he puts those faces on Sea Kings. Yeah. Like yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, they're the body of the sandworm from Beetlejuice <laughs> with the faces of Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah. yeah. The exact face. Yeah. Well, it, that, that monster at the beginning of um of the, in Romance Dawn, uh, the, the, what is it? Yes. The, the yeah. monster Lord of the Coast. Coast. Lord of the yeah. Coast. That's it. Um, yeah, I mean the that. Rainbow, col- the color spread, the colors of the yeah. rainbow are so pretty mm-hmm. in the sky. That's the most well, Disney like looking. That's, it, yeah, and I think the, that's uh, worth mentioning is that that's one of the things that uh, people often will say about One Piece is that the art is so different than what you think of as anime and manga. And I think that is because he pulls in so many influences from all over the place. And Disney is a big one yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for sure. He also pulls in stuff from popular media as well. Like remember that one uh, photograph during Thriller Bark where he literally has the young Frankenstein DVD on his desk. Mm. And then sure enough, when you see Hogback's lab, it's almost uh, scene for scene, the young Frankenstein version of the, the uh, Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein lab. That's, oh, that's so awesome. Iconic. I don't think yeah. I realized that. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's, that's cool. That's pretty great. Yeah. And I know he's a huge fan of, uh, uh, nightmare before Christmas, which is basically the, you know, you see all those weird, the little curly Q Hills in the background of thriller, oh, Park, yeah. which is a yeah. huge, huge giveaway there. Um, I- yeah, and I can't ahead. help but I can't help but think that that whole Cake Island as a whole is just a big homage to. I mean, it's Babes in Toyland, Candyland, Alice, yeah, uh, Alice in Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, yeah. You got some Ursula in there too. Um, well, before before a, the show, Alex, we were actually talking about. So, if if anyone has picked up any of the One Piece magazines, they also go through um, music that he listened that Oda listened to while making it, mm-hmm. and the Alice in Wonderland soundtrack is one of the things he listened to during Whole Cake Island. That's so, yeah. Whole Cake also reminded me of like those weird '30s cartoons, like Betty Boop and a lot of other mm-hmm. stuff from that time. I don't yeah. know if it was a, a super direct influence, but like the weird singing flowers and the kind of sense of dread. Everything moves. Everything. Everything. Moves. <laughs> old Fleischer yeah, has a face. Old Fleischer mm-hmm. cartoons. We were watching yeah. um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit the other day, and mm. uh, when he goes into Toontown for the first time, uh, uh, when Eddie goes into Toontown, like. Uh, when everything is moving, it's literally like when Big Mom is introduced in Whole Cake Island where everything mm-hmm. is singing around her. Like it's the same, it's the same vibe. Like everything is alive, everything has a face. <laughs> uh you're not on drugs, I promise you. Like it's uh yeah, it's it's basically the same the same kind of deal. I mean, at the same time, also there there's Boogie Wonderland from uh, I can't say that without a little bit of the tune uh, from Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't know what the hell that has to do with Whole Cake Island, but I'll take it. Um, there's there's like I think there's just a it's very interesting to see how directly he's influenced from Western artists and and just international internationally in a way that I don't think you often see well, in. You know, either side of the uh, either side of the well, ocean. Yeah, Brian, go ahead. Because like Oda's conceit, like he mentioned, being a, also a big fan of Alice in Wonderland and uh, and uh, Wizard of Oz, even before he started. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing, even with uh, like Frank Ball's Wizard of Oz and all that. Oh, uh, sorry, Alice in Wonderland. Wait, 
Yeah, Frank, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Frank, Frank Baum. Baum is yeah, and then yeah, Lewis Carroll then, is yeah. I thought yeah, you Lewis said Frank Balls, but that's a different thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, what was it? The yeah. So the nature of the fact that he's drawing from myth and more recent kind of like myth narrative that like those people created for their series. He's doing the exact same thing with One Piece. He's like building a myth within a myth. Yeah. As opposed to like as opposed to like something like uh, Bleach, which is more like it's it's our world but then there's a hidden world underneath as yeah. opposed to one piece it's a totally separate world it is not our world at all mm. i am um, mm-hmm. i i'm jealous that oda gets to create this thing that's basically uh like this is what i want to do eventually just create a, a work Agreed. that is a, an amalgamation of every interest that you have into one work <laughs> yeah like I, I that's why like you look through one piece stuff like i even drew a giraffe warrior in one of my old sketchbooks before kaku <laughs> appeared and had his <laughs> bell for the bill. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> stole it. <laughs> he stole it from me, from my mind, from the future, or from another land entirely. But then, like, again, he's drawing in other influences, too. Like, uh, while we were talking, I completely forgot, like, the uh, the Nutcracker mm. is Dressrosa. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah, true, the, yeah. He doesn't even like, hide that, and I don't no. even remember if we discussed it that much, but, yeah. Lately, uh, since Dresser has it, he's been doing this thing with Frankie. When Frankie gets his dino damage, you see he's got like a one red eye, like like the Terminator. And oh I, yeah, yeah. It's such a cool. It's such a cool effect to use. Look, um, when you have a full size Terminator in your office, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna base some stuff staring off. Staring at you while you're drawing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then like who even put in subtle clues that you don't pick up later until it's fully revealed, like uh, Bartholomew Kuma being a cyborg. Oh yeah. Being called the Tyrant, which I'm like, wait. Terminator. Oh yeah, he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah, like, in cartoon form. You could say that that uh, the term pacifista is like uh, a uh, the opposite of a the opposite Terminator. of a. Yeah, you could. Yeah. I guess you could oh, localize yeah. it as as pacifister. Uh, <laughs> Pacif- pacifier. Oh, boy. It's the pacifier yeah. with Vin yeah, Diesel. He's really into. Was like, yeah, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, and uh, sorry. The, whenever I think of just uh, him, just putting it influences in this uh, comic. This still sticks out in my mind. There's that bit in Whole Cake Island, right? Where, uh, where Capone has Peckhams on the cliff. And it's like the entire staging of, of that scene where he shoots Peckhams and the baby's crying. It's, it's 100% like the end of the Godfather. Uh, (laughs) No, I guess spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers for anybody who has not seen the Godfather, but there is a gigantic massacre at the end that, um, that uh, happens in tandem with a christening. So you have all this imagery of uh, of dudes getting gunned down with a baby crying, and uh, it's really powerful. And uh, that scene in, in Whole Cake uh, is a is a one hundred percent can't not be a homage to this. Um, well, well, like when Otis starts in the arc or series, this is why I I love One Piece for the fact that each arc is kind of its self contained kind of theme. Is the fact mm-hmm. that like a uh, He'll do his research. So you probably yeah. watch a lot of like mafia movies because he's like, oh, I'm going to have a wedding and it's going to be a lot of criminals there. So what has criminal weddings? Mafia movies, gangster movies, all that shit. Yakuza movies, all that. Uh, Mad Science Island is punk hazard. So he did like all the tropes and the themes we would associate coming from those ideas are mm-hmm. incorporated there. Thriller Bark, Alabasta, that means Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. straight up. It's like, all right, what great epics that take place in the desert can I draw from and kind of like incorporate into my story? 
And so, yeah, I feel like early yeah. on with like Alabasta and Skypea, it was a lot, and and even East Blue, like there's a lot of this sort of like what is the sort of sweeping grand epic uh, genres like pirate epic, uh, you know, um, desert epic, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and jungle epic. And now he seems to be kind of honing in on very more specific stuff that isn't necessarily uh, associated with like grand adventures and stuff like that. But it's just like more cool stuff that he gets to to uh, incorporate and turn into his own thing. Well, it's what Alex said, too. You know, Oda has mentioned before, this is the only thing he's going to really be known for and probably do for his whole life. Like, this is it. Yeah. So he has the he's created a world where he has the opportunity to make any sort of, you know, movie or whatever, uh, come to life, uh, per Island. Still waiting, still waiting for those spacemen. Yes. uh, (laughs) You and me both, Brian. Uh, but like, so I I don't know, Alex, if you have it as well. So we we were talking a little bit about, uh, one piece magazine, uh, number nine, which we spent a really, really, really long time on the podcast. I think we did three episodes just on this magazine. Um, but one of the reasons is because it gives you like a real look at Oda's desk and all the things on it. I don't know if there's anything, Alex, or if you've had a chance to look even, that's like specifically sh- shoot out at you as to like influences or just odd. Yeah. yeah. So so Tim Burton is, is mentioned as one of, uh, one of his. Yes, yeah main influences and that is uh, obvious if you look at thriller bark um but also like it's it's very interesting when you uh look at some of the examples that he uses in this magazine uh there's a lot uh, there's a an image of some concept art of edward scissorhands and it looks a lot like characters that you might find in whole cake island um there's a character here that looks a little like a mond um which is uh which is the character that i think that we uh De facto, kind of based on Lady Snowblood. Um, oh, Scorpion. Or yeah, oh yeah, female prisoner Scorpion. Uh, yeah, Mako Kaji. Yeah, that was a that was a, a blow to me because I was I was kind of hoping for a Mako Kaji uh, admiral at one point, but I think Amanda is what we're gonna get. <laughs> she's yeah. cool. She's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, if you haven't watched any movie with Mako Kaji, she's ah, she's dynamite. She's really great. Um, uh, one thing that really sticks out in my mind that I think is really hilarious is that uh, one of the main influences is the uh, mecha designs for the Time Bokan series. Um, Time Bokan, of course, being a, uh, a Tatsunoko animation uh, series, which uh, includes uh, uh, Yatterman as part of its uh, as part of its series. And when you look at the uh, the mecha designs in Yatterman, uh, they look a lot like the Thousand Sunny. <laughs> um, mm. Very colorful. They look like Duplo. Uh, Duplo blocks, um, but there's also also a lot of uh, when you when you kind of zoom in a little bit, you see sort of the designs uh, are very similar to the Brachio tank and um, the elements that make up the uh, General Frankie. So I think that's a I think that's a really cool. Uh, I thought that was a really cool nod, and I do wonder if uh, there's a little bit of uh, Tatsunoko stuff in the Germa designs as well. Do you know? Oh yeah. Do you know what's really and interesting? That takes us- Sorry, um, there there was just one thing I want to mention. Um, I discovered that I think it's the it's the one with Sulong, um, the the volume cover with Sulong um, carrot on the top um, was taken from a movie poster. I'm just zooming in here and notice that he has a book of Italian film posters. 
um, on on uh, his desk there. So, so, so uh, I think it's worth noting that uh, the posters for movies in Italy are, are <laughs> remarkably different for uh, for their uh, you know overseas posters. Oh, they they're gorgeous. Like I remember the Ratatouille. Uh, it was either French or uh, Italian poster went the made the rounds on the internet. Everyone was like, "Why don't we have this here?" Yeah, they're really they're really trippy, really cool. Uh, if you think those and German uh, German and uh, Russian posters are really really out there too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Joey, you were going. To- Joey, yeah, sorry, I interrupted. That. Well, I, if we were bringing up Timebokan and Yatraman, I figured oh, we should yeah. talk about the at least give some lip service to Foxy and his gang that are based off of the Duronjo gang from from that those series. Oh God, one hundred percent. They're they're the same silhouettes. It's crazy. Yeah. Exact same silhouettes. Uh, so in this uh, in this magazine, it also the, number one uh, on this list is Ashley Wood, um, who I believe Oda has a, a bit of a correspondence with uh, these days, which is cool. That's cool. I wonder if Ashley Wood reads One Piece. I, I do wonder that. Uh, Ashley Wood was gifted very uh, in the last year or so um, colored auto, colored uh, illustrations and autographs from Oda, which is not something he normally does. Oh, right. I did see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not familiar with Ashley Wood, uh, he is a remarkable illustrator. Um, I guess anybody in the U.S. would probably be familiar with his work on the Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah, because uh, like he also has a line of uh, like vinyl figures, which he's very popular in that round too. They're pretty and cool. It's kind of like the independent toy scene as well. He is um, Australian. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, I'm just uh, Mike yeah. uh Mike Mignola also a a uh, a big influence on Oda apparently. Mhm. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's one I think you can see a little earlier on when he's experimenting a bit more with placing blacks in dramatic panels and stuff which he's kind of pulled back on a little bit these days. He did that a lot in the Paramount War I think with the pacifistas, the pacifiers as mm. we're, we're going to call them from now on. Um yeah. Um, let's see who else does he have here uh, this is uh, Jusaburo uh, Sujimura who he interviews in um, Color Rock Gorilla uh, responsible I believe for those um, those puppets mm-hmm. uh, that are featured um, that were featured a little while ago um, those weird uh, Edo, Edo period puppets um, oh yeah uh, Simon Bisley, uh, also an influence on him. A lot of uh, crazy uh, Batman stuff uh, from the uh, early 90s and 2000s, uh, as well as Michael Lau, uh, who created these uh, really, really interesting looking uh, looking figures. Um, but these are the, these are all the individuals who are listed in this in, in the magazine. And so playing playing that game where I'm zooming into his desk, just a couple more shout outs, mostly to Star Wars and Star Wars Episode One. I think we've talked about on the show how he's this he's unusually a fan of the prequels. I think uh, mm-hmm. he even drew that, some stuff for it back in the day. There, there's a couple of like Japanese artists who I would consider grandmasters who love the prequels for some reason, like uh, the uh, Kentaro Mura who does the Berserk. Also, is a big fan of Star Wars, but specifically the prequels. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Your work is better than this. Well, the nice thing about that is that they probably saw the Japanese dubs, and well, but they, like, so 
Those are superior. The acting, I'm sure, is much, much better if you <laughs> do a voiceover. I prefer, I prefer the, uh, I think it's the Singapore subtitles with the, the famous nose thing. Ah, yes. That's where Do, do not, not Want comes from. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. I love that one. <laughs> famous, famous internet saying Do Not Want came from Star Wars. God, that uh, that was just decades ago at this point. Yeah, but yeah, those uh, are those are the uh, and yeah, those are all all the stuff that's uh, that are covered in the book. But like as we know, uh, there's no limit to Oda's. Um, no, well, like it's it his, his stuff is littered with like old advertisements. I like one interesting thing just for Brian's sake here is I see an, like a poster of Che Guevara in the background. Um, there's like just some really cool and varied stuff there that he pulls from. Um, I think it's hilarious that like the one Che Guevara thing that's in One Piece is in Caribou's uh, Caribou's, Caribou's cover story. Cover yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's apt though. It's very apt. But I mean, like we talked about the previous episodes about like Fisher Tiger and the connection with like Che Guevara, yeah, yeah. Malcolm X, and other civil rights leaders back then. So, well, I think we were talking a lot about in the transgender representation episode too. Like uh, Oda does have the ability to go. And and find like minutia and trivia, trivia and trivial things sometimes, and pull from those little things that you're like, how did he even figure that out? And you know, I think as as I was th- I was going to say before too, but as Western fans and as fans from international fans, probably even a better way of putting that, one of the things that I think hook us into One Piece is that we recognize some of those tropes that we don't often see in anime mixed in with the things that we do love about anime and manga. Um, yeah because like unique. It, yeah he mixes it in and is mostly successful about like integrating it appropriately uh not everyone not and not all the time he does that appropriately but like i always use the example of like mr popo from dragon ball mm. like uh like the, the obviously the history we have in this country with the sambo doll and like that was hugely popular and the reason i'm mentioning that now is because like i just found out literally like a couple of hours ago that there was a restaurant called sambo's that was throughout this country through like the thirties to the sixties. And on the, and as part of the advertising for the restaurant, they had like Sambo masks that like you can buy for kids and they'd wow. walk around oh, with like wow. the, the big red lips and like the big round eyes and like the dark faces. I was like, I've never heard of such a thing, but like that's how prominent like certain iconographies mm. permeate through like the world that we not, may not even always understand the genesis of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, we talk about media and film influencing someone in on the other side of the world. Um, it's both the good and the bad that comes with media and film, you know, I, and I don't think, you know, as you mentioned, I don't think the context is very uh, readily available. I mean, maybe today, I think more than it was, you know, in the 90s yeah. and you know, when you're, or 80s with yeah, Mr. Popo. You, you can look you can look things up if you're so inclined, but like those of us who came before the internet uh, generation, right, we're right. just like, well, it was word of mouth and maybe if you had a decent enough like encyclopedia or library. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I think is cool about Odez. He's obviously trained himself to anytime he thinks something is interesting, he like must write it down or or take a special note of it because i don't know i feel like i go through my day being like oh that's interesting that's cool and then not really thinking much about it uh when i just run into you know random stuff but like he builds his whole series and his whole world about uh around 
people he runs into and facts that he learns and things like that. And I think he's just kind of got this, uh, you know, sense for it now that whenever anything interesting crosses his path, he, he talks in his comments sometimes about like his assistants getting him into new movies or comedies and things like that. And um, I think he's just a lot more receptive to that than a lot of other uh, authors might be. And I'm sure yeah, that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say something I really appreciate about his influences is they're so incredibly broad. Uh, just like we've talked about ranging from like seventies Japanese stuff that he would have grown up with to uh, all kinds of different music uh, from the West and modern things and that he keeps like looking for these new influences and experiences instead of just relying on the same like pocket of tropes uh, that he is comfortable with. Uh, I think Water 7 was the first arc because when I read Alabasta, I, I was not exposed to, or when I watched it, actually when I was like 12, I had not seen any Tarantino movies. But in Water 7, you've got like the taxi driver reference. You've got um, Ace Ventura. You've got like Popeye and Bruno. You've got Kabuki. If, if you're including like uh, Ineos Lobby, it's just the, even in, in the same arc, which is fairly tonally solid and consistent he pulls from all over the place it's like oh these people these things are named sodom and gomorrah and there's this and that and that's just very oh, yeah. cool to me this sort of uh like rainbow of influences where uh it, it worked like especially when i was reading this stuff when i was younger like i had never seen a yakuza movie i wouldn't have gotten the yakuza reference i didn't know that about foxy now and i'm in my 30s you know it's you don't have to know all the references to appreciate it but like knowing it knowing the breadth of it, it is so and impressive. I, th I, I, I think this is what helps make his work his uh, his work so strong because not only does he do kind of like obviously like the heartbreaking drama and the seriousness, but also the lighthearted and broad comedy. Like uh, I, I a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out like the uh, Monty Python Holy Grail references I can find in One Piece, and like mm -hmm. I can I can imagine he's definitely being a child of the seventies and eighties. He's probably familiar with Monty Python, oh, yeah. or at least Holy Grail. And like that helps his comedy as well. He's he's also mentioned there's a oh where he was uh, another Japanese comic uh, who, who I was just gonna say I know he's a fan of like Baron Munchausen and the other um, Terry Gilliam films. Another, yeah, yeah, that Baron Munchausen is also one of my favorite movies. I think too. there's I know Von Ogre's design I think mm -hmm. is based yeah, off yeah. of that. There's a lot. Munchausen in that. has a, uh, a a cohort that is a sniper that Von Ogre is based on. Oh wow. And then yeah. the uh, I can't believe I forgot the, yeah, that yeah. Uh, world nobles are most likely based on oh, yeah. the uh, the king of king and queen oh, yeah, of the moon totally <laughs> mm -hmm. played by Robin Williams mm -hmm. the king of the moon. and I was gonna say I mean kind of off of Shannon and Brian's point it's it's also crazy that you have a guy who's the a giraffe and the head is the person and he's hanging off the neck and his name <laughs> is Hamlet. Um, so you have lots of, you know, things that make no sense, uh, corresponding with completely different things, you know, um, it's, it's a crazy world, uh, in, in one piece. Um, I'll, I'll also ask then, since we're also, you know, to give a, to give a fair view of it, are there any times you've been disappointed that he either, that Oda either like misused a reference didn't use a reference or used the wrong you know like where you th 
think he could have pulled from something. I know that, uh, Joey, you were mentioning some of the Admiral choices even that you were hoping <laughs> to say, but... Uh, Inru uh, constantly takes me out of the comic <laughs> just because I'm like, that's just Eminem. <laughs> I can't. I, like, I guess if you're doing a villain and you don't like Eminem, it maybe helps. But like, it's just so weird that it, he is so one to one. He's definitely not anti Eminem. I think it seems like yeah. he's very pro Eminem. Especially watching the anime yeah. with his hair color and stuff. Yeah. 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 But uh, it's good. also, this is where I can showcase my specious theory that Inru is actually the letters N and L, since they're offset one uh, from M and M. Oh, oh. oh. wow! Christ. Wow! <laughs> wow! This is I, good. You're hurting my head. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to stop this podcast uh, here. We're not going to get better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since, like, Zach, you're the one who mentioned that, like, NL or is, like, the Hebrew word for lightning, right? I didn't mention that. Someone else did. But thank you for, yeah, thank yeah. You for crediting me for it. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe it was Joel or someone else. Oh. Um, kind of going the other way, uh, some of the, uh, the admirals, the way the admirals act, uh, gave me false impressions of how the oh, the yeah. actual actors would be when I finally saw them. Oh. Uh, like Bunta Sugawara, he, he, he can do serious roles pretty well, but most of the stuff I've seen him in, thanks to Truck Yarrow, uh, he is really goofy. And in his serious roles, he's like stoic and upstanding, not like vicious and bloodthirsty. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a weird, uh, I guess, quote, casting choice. That might be on purpose, Yoda. though. Like, he might purposely be doing, like, it's like if you took a character, I'm trying to think of, like, the goofiest American actor. Tom Hanks made him a serial killer. Made him super <laughs> evil. Yeah, oh exactly. That's so, so, sort of like... Shannon, you should be casting movies. Elijah Wood <laughs> <Willard, laughs> terrified. In uh, Sin City. Or yeah, yeah. Sugawara has that intensity, uh, for sure. Yeah. But, like... um yeah, that's a thing that I occasionally will hear someone say that, like, the admirals are based off of the characters and then say, oh, and they're just like them. No. And I, I try to not be like, eh, I don't know, because, like, um, a big example of that, I think the closest that an admiral is to their model is uh, Fujitora. Yeah, um, yeah. But his, the characters, the way that character acts is not nothing like Zatoichi. He's based off of Shintaro Katsu and his character Zatoichi who is a blind swordsman um, and he loves gambling just like how uh, Fujitora first shows up gambling and stuff. But Fujitora is this sort of like um, very stoic, uh, serious guy who has uh, kind of like cool, uh, like kind of like a cool cowboy speech or something every once in a while and things like that. And Zatoichi himself is kind of a goofy giggling guy who, uh, is very kind of like charming and silly you could, uh, and then we'll have serious I, moments i was just gonna add that oda when he first introduces fujitori he's totally the zatoichi character that he is goofier i i believe mm -hmm. like when he's gambling and luffy interrupts him and he's like klutzy and and whatever you know he's putting on an act there obviously but like and then he shifts into the fujitori i think we know and i think both characters you know out of context or, or, you know, or that character is great out of context, but yeah, you're right. 
at his. So, well, that's the thing that I like though is that he's not just making a carbon copy mm-hmm. of these existing characters or people. He's just taking them as a model. Like the the term model is very good rather than saying like this character is based off of this person because it really mm-hmm. is more of like just something to start with, and then he creates his own character. I think another big example of this is Kizaru, who mm-hmm. has this very distinct way of talking. Mm-hmm. He's like very slow, and he's like, mm-hmm. and I was totally <laughs> expecting Kunie Tanaka to be like that, and he's not like that at all. It's he's a little disappointing, of, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like like when we were watching Truck Yaro, I was like, oh man, here he is, here's Borsalino, and he's <sighs> nothing like Kizaru. <laughs> not to say he's uh, not a yeah, cool keep... character, but it's very yeah. like it, it was a little jarring because he dresses exactly like him too. Well, the the voice actor for Kizaru passed away a couple years ago, right? And they yeah. replaced him, mm. I know. And it, but I, it, I believe he's still alive. No, they replaced him with a sound alike, yeah, because yeah, he. Oh, the voice actor. Yeah, the voice so actor. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, and but that's like I think of uh, kind of off topic, but Kizaru's voice is like one of the most iconic, I think, in the anime. Certainly. Well, I mean, if you if you uh, discount uh, the great uh, Koyasu Takehito. As uh, as Aokiji, because that guy, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's he's, I think one of the most recognizable contemporary uh, seiyu. Yep. Um, I wouldn't even call him contemporary. He's been doing it for a while. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, he's got that really deep voice. Uh, he was Zex Zex Marquis in um, Gundam Wing, and uh, I think he was in a lot of other stuff too. Uh, I remember Vice Croyce, which is a show I've never watched before, but everybody in college was super into it. I think he's one of the characters in that or something like that. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, I still haven't yet watched the movie that we're going to record for. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a Matsuda movie, and that's the actor who um, uh, Kuzan is based off of. Uh, and I, I can't speak to how similar that actor is to how uh, Kuzan or Aokiji is, but uh, maybe Joey could <laughs> give me some... Uh, uh, um, yeah, Yusaku Matsu is probably the actor that I've seen the least amount of stuff in. Um, but yeah, that movie that we're going to eventually, that we're going to in real time be covering soon. And when this episode's out, uh, it'll already be out. But like um, covering The Most Dangerous Game, which actually Kuzan's post time skip design is based off of uh, an outfit that he wears in that movie, I'm pretty sure. Uh, if I recall correctly, I did but, not um, know he played Dio in JoJo or in the. That's a, that's a very different voice. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, the voice actor. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just looking yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh no, that's cool. Yeah, no, we were bouncing back to the talking about the, yeah, the character model. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's um. I don't know. He's just kind of like a '70s like crime action guy. Like I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um. I, I don't have much to say, say about him. Uh, check out our episode uh, <laughs> where we talk about the most dangerous game. Um, and I also wanted to mention we keep kind of mentioning Truck Yarrow. That's kind of a tough one for people to track down. If they want to see him movies with a lot of these actors in them, uh, besides the Zatoichi movie for Fujitora, they should track down Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Yeah. Um, that's pretty widely available release through Arrow Video, and and that's a Yakuza movie. It's a gangster movie that has um, a lot of uh, these types of actors, including this is where uh, Akainu's model is kind of based off of Bunta Sugawara from this uh, movie series or similar movies like that, and um, Kunie Tanaka, that's Kizaru, is in it too as a sort of like sniveling Weasley guy. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, 
yeah, that's that's one I would recommend for folks to track down. Which I honestly think is a much better showcase of of his acting abilities than yeah. his appearance in Truck Yarrow. I, I agree. Kunye <laughs> Tanaka, I mean. Bunsuwar mm-hmm. is great in both in very mm-hmm. different ways. Um, are there any other, um, I guess, letdowns, disappointments uh, that you may have had in... It's You know, hard. when... I- this was just an initial thing and I've yeah. kind of come to embrace it a bit more, but like right when the time skip happened and we saw soul King Brook, you know, I was yeah. kind of like, Oh, I don't know about this. This isn't like, because he's a, he's exactly the kind of uh rock star that I am not into kind of the Steven Tyler type or whatever. And I was like, Oh no, Brooke's not cool now. Yeah. <laughs> but, I felt that way. Too. But like, uh, but I've kind of come to embrace the goofiness of a Steven Tyler type uh, in the world of one piece, especially uh, and, and love that he's this sort of like crazy prog rock I, uh, I, I glam think, rock guy now, you know, I think from an aesthetic, what I was, what really bugged me about a time skip Brooke is the crown. Yeah. Uh, like on stage performance, fine. But when he's walking around, it kind of makes him too top heavy. <laughs> Even with the afro on top. It's I'm extremely like, top heavy. Crowns are heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so like from a, like a, from a visual design aesthetic, I just thought like it ruined his initial silhouette, which was so good when he first appeared in Thrill of Arc. Yeah, and I think even the boa kind of gives you the air of a guy you don't like or something. Like a, a, right. a, a sort of like like a Doflamingo type, right? Yeah. And uh, so I just really bristled against that, but I've kind of come to appreciate it and like it now. Well, he's, he's had better outfits. So. Yeah, true. Yeah. I always say this uh, is sort of like a personal pet peeve, but I really like Frankie's original design, the kind of like Ace yeah. Ventura Popeye thing. Me too. And his nude is just a mess. He was my favorite character. He's had, it's just I, like a weird personal thing, but... Mm-hmm. I did the... I know, I'm with you on that one, because like I did the measurements, so... Frankie now, or at least when he first appeared, I think he's Oda's fucks with his uh, proportions more in more recent arcs than when he first showed up. He was as wide as he was tall. And I'm like, and so he's just a giant square. He's a square guy. Like, <laughs> but yeah, boy, like, what a square he is. The, he's cool. Yeah, I, still, with, I love the character, but the like just square. visually and with references and like what's going on yeah, to the yeah. eye, he's just chaos now. Yeah. yeah. And his head was like too small compared to the rest of his body. <laughs> like, no, did you? You went too far again, Oda. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I think that pre-time skip Frankie's character design is just like a perfect, like one of the perfect yeah. characters designs uh, of all time. And I think it a thing that I liked about it on the topic of bringing in media influences is the Popeye arms. Because mm-hmm. like a thing that I love about uh, One Piece, especially early One Piece, uh, where Oda's like kind of trickling in a peg leg character and a hook hand character as he like... He brings in these characters that are the Same nautical uh, character influences and stuff like that. And to like reference Popeye, the sailor man, as a pirate, but he's like a goofy, <laughs> you know, whatever Frankie is, like, um, Not wearing was pants. just so brilliant, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I've been trying to work on a, a version of Frankie that incorporates some of the post-time skip elements, but keeps the, the uh, aesthetic of the, re- uh, of the previous one. And like outside of maybe like the big round shoulders, I'm like, mm-hmm. you keep the round big Popeye hands as well. Cause I know the round soldiers come from like uh, the mecha aesthetic. Like I think of giant robo, which is like one of my favorites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and going then, back to those time book on designs too, like Frankie is definitely, it definitely has some of that DNA in him as well. A lot of primary colors. And then, 
Yeah. Uh, I like how toyetic a lot of Frankie's like uh, mecha designs are uh, in the same way that Time Bokan is like toyetic. I mean, it was probably literally designed to sell toys. Uh, but yeah, just the like big basic shapes and identifiable features on on all of his like big robots and whatnot. Yeah. Now I wonder they if they match him in a really good way. The, the the good thing about Frankie though, potentially, is that if he gets into a big enough battle, he could always just completely redesign himself. Um <laughs> yeah, he's modular. He's, yeah, he's he's, he's very um, flexible in how he looks, yes. Going back to Popeye for a second, this is always something that I've wondered, never really uh looked into, but it was Bluto at all an influence on uh uh, Blackbeard. Mm. Yeah, I, I would think so. Because, like, Bluto represent that classic, like, burly, big, gruff sailor. In the beginning, like, especially uh, after, uh, during uh, Impel Down, uh, Blackbeard's beard looked just like Bluto's beard with the same kind of, like, yeah. rigid, ragged uh, uh, aesthetic. Uh, Bluto, you, the thing with Bluto is, as far as with the Popeye cartoons, he formed, like, he, he served a lot of roles. Like, sometimes he'd be a sailor, but often he'd be like a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd fit those two extremes. You put him in a suit, then he's like just the, the guy coming to like bully his way into your business and he's going to like shut you down. Uh, so, and like Oda mentioned uh, being a fan, and we were talking about like uh, Whole Cake Island, the Betty Boop, uh, Mike F- Max Fleischer aesthetics all come through that as well. So mm-hmm. Betty Boop, Popeye, and even the old Superman cartoons were all from one animation source that originated a lot of the tropes that we associate with anime uh, cartoons. Well, I'm definitely, uh, he has, he has a lot of influences from like those old cartoons. I'm thinking of like Patty and Carne in Baradier to have that super. Yeah. Oh, even like a uh, Santa Sonia's head. Yeah. Like that big overall head. It's like, that's Betty Boop. <laughs> <laughs> something that I, I feel like is a small disappointment, not in something that he was not in his use of an influence, but something that, I wish he would lean into or would show up more is he seems like a real natural fit with, uh, Windsor McKay. And, mm. uh, aside from the fact that they, he loves dinosaurs. I don't really get a lot of the same kind of vibes, uh, from Oda's work. Um, and that's an influence I wish that like I saw because I think it would be neat, mm. uh, to, uh, I, for him to adapt from that. I guess yeah. to, to, to give the audience a little, uh, reference that's uh the little nemo um author right mm-hmm. yeah and and uh G- and gertie the dinosaur gertie the gertie dinosaur the dinosaur the first is, animation yeah. yeah first animation on uh how long was it it was only like barely eight minutes right i do not recall off the top of my head yeah, yeah, yeah i want to see a big short. like double tall page of like uh luffy going through adventures and then waking up on the floor next to his bed <laughs> <laughs> It was a dream all along. God, he's so mad. <laughs> he ate that pie before bed. <laughs> I'm not super familiar Bob with, Newhart. with Windsor McKay. Do y'all think he, he influenced like Long Ring, Long Land? Like the animals and stuff there? Uh, looking at images of his on Google? Or, like, yeah, it's yeah, possible. Because, yeah, he, he really, Windsor McKay did a lot of like weird, impossibly stretched things because yeah, he, it's all very, very much. A surrealist aesthetic. Yeah, it it see, he's it does seem very like I could see the there's a very fine line between this and and what Oda does like it's very close. Um, but I don't like 
I, I have no idea. I've, I've, I, you know, I've never heard. Whether I mean, again, yeah, I'm I've getting never a seen little... it referenced as a like, yeah, stated uh, influence. I, I'm there is little, an anime uh, movie. Uh, oh, that's right. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen it in Japanese. Oh though. yeah, there was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of whole cake stuff here though too. I think like like mm. the calico, which I keep thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, well, that's uh, a lot of Alice in Wonderland stuff too. I like that. I mean, we talked about that before, but I think yeah, there's 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 a ton there. If, you know, if there's anything that I'm a little disappointed about, uh, and I mean, this is currently we're currently going through Wano right now, and I was sort of hoping that uh, there'd be a little more uh, sprinkled in in terms of. Um, you know, uh, Japanese mythology and ghost stories and stuff like that. I, that is something I want to talk about too. Um, so like, I know you and Joey and I assume V as well, since the three of you are kind of in the same boat with a uh, Japanese cinema and everything, um, have, have a pretty deep well of knowledge about this kind of stuff. But like, how do you feel? What do you, what do you really want to see referenced in Wano? What do you, what, what has been your favorite reference in Wano? And um, what are you disappointed that you haven't seen or that you have seen? Um, I'm, Alex, I'll start with you since you were talking about it. So I, now that we're getting into it, I do kind of want to talk about some of the influences that have already been present in Wano. A lot of the mm-hmm. imagery, a lot of uh, the, um, the like, uh, a lot of the influences going into some characters. Uh, I I have no uh, I have no basis for any sort of comparison, but um, uh, Jirocho uh, Sangokshi, Sangokshi, I, I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, mm-hmm. The Kingdom of Jirocho, I think, is the American or the English. Oh, way is, to... that's the one he did the covers for. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Oda did a, a series, I think, of uh, what uh, were they DVD box sets? Yeah. Yeah. He had the art for those. Yeah. Um, uh, I believe it was something that you posted on Twitter, Joey, about Oden being a facsimile of this. Yeah. So the Jirocho movies are based off of, gosh, I think a book or possibly old stories. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's about a guy who in, in old Japanese film, there is a very prominent uh, genre called Ninkyo Ega, which is like chivalry films. And they're about Yakuza, but they're always about like good Yakuza who follow the rules and <laughs> have have very like set um, chival- chivalrous intentions and and uh, will be good guys, you know. And um, there's a and um, the Jirocho films are about a guy who kind of reluctantly becomes a, a gang boss, uh, a Yakuza boss, but like a good Yakuza boss. And he um is you know shows his prowess uh and and sl- slowly picks up followers even though he doesn't want them to follow him and they're like oh no you're so great boss you know and 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 then one by one he kind of gathers together this team and it's very very much like <clears throat> what i was saying in that twitter thread is i think i've heard um the wano store the the um Odin? Akazaya 9, yeah. uh, often compared to the Seven Samurai story, which is another kind of gathering uh, of heroes type thing. But I think that it does really follow the Kingdom of Jirocho story a little bit closer, where it's um, a, a, a reluctant, strong guy um, gathers a bunch of kind of uh, hapless, uh, but also strong dorks who want <laughs> to be his friend, and they end up 
being kind of a force for good in the world. I, I mean, I'll, I'll add also that the fact that Oda made drawings for the DVD, something I don't think he does very often, if at all, um, would probably lend more credence to that theory. And the fact Definitely. that, yeah, the fact that he make that series into that movie series into a, you know, more important. Yeah. Thing. And the whole reason why I learned about that series was because he did those DVDs and, you know, and little by little, I kind of learned little bits about Japanese cinema through one piece. And so I like going back to Wano, I was very excited when we were entering the Wano art. Cause I was like, here we go. This is going to just like, give me a whole checklist. <laughs> That's what I've been studying watch, for, you know? for the last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was going to give me new movies to find, you know, that I'd never heard of or whatever. And really it's not as much of a movie reference fest as one might expect. It's more of a just, just kind of general Japanese culture reference fest where there's a lot of like Rakugo and Kabuki and um, stuff and Japanese film stuff like, um, but not like a ton of stuff like a few uh, that I have learned about um, the character Kyoshiro um, known as Napping Kyoshiro. Um, is based is named after Nemuri Kyoshiro, who in English is known as uh, the the Sleepy Eyes of Death series, uh, which is uh, Nemuri is like sleepy, so he's like Sleepy Kyoshiro instead of Napping Kyoshiro. But like, um, <laughs> and they're these kind of hard edged, um, um, old timey Japan sword movies uh, that I checked out a few of them and didn't end up actually liking them that much, but. Um, Somewhere along the way, I think in one of the SBSs, he references uh, Kogashi Monjiro, who's like a classic looking uh, hero, film hero that has like the round straw hat that goes over the eyes that um, Kawamatsu kind of looks like. And there's a other, couple other people. Um, and I'd never heard of that. And there's a two film series uh, of Kogashi Monjiro um, with Bunta Sugawara as uh as monjiro and those ended up being pretty cool i like those movies um but um yeah besides that it's a lot of tropey stuff it's a lot of like oh i see this is the like you know um i don't know like um komurasaki the the oiran uh that's something that is taken from real japanese history um but is also a trope that you see in a lot of japanese films and i don't think it was necessarily he was like referencing Sakuran or something like that, um, a recent Japanese movie about an Oiran. But I do think that it was through his years of being a Japanese person watching movies um, <laughs> that he picks up on a lot of these tropes, you know? Yeah. Uh, one that we covered recently in the podcast happened recently in the manga. Uh, Sanji hears the distress of a, uh, of a lady um, uh, getting uh Getting undressed from the uh, from the sash. Oh yeah, untying the obi. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because before um, before the next chapter had come out, and I think uh, Stephen had no knowledge of what was going to happen, but he even said that, oh yeah, uh, based on the dialogue, this is that famous, uh, you know, this is the thing from those movies where uh, you know, oh, you don't, you, you master, you mustn't. That's very naughty. Like that that piece of dialogue is a very uh, canned. Uh, you know, tropey piece of dialogue that uh, goes with that act, um, and that's featured in a lot of uh, a lot of movies that 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 uh, you know a lot of uh, Jidai Geki um, period movies uh, where there is uh, you know uh, where where there are courtesans involved. 
there's sort of a lecherous boss yeah. or a bad guy of some sort and and he's um undressing a lady either she's playfully saying no or unplayfully saying no in some cases and you get that kind of dialogue where you're like although no, in this no, case no. He's, this case it was a trap for uh Sanji. yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think, Joey, you mentioned earlier on in Wano, which has been going on for some time as we sit here recording, um, that it kind of felt like almost like a, a Japanese movie trope fest more than a specific. I, maybe you or Greg might have even said that. Um, but like it versus just like having like a movie reference here and there and here and there. It's just like you mm-hmm. have a lot of those big things that you always see in Japanese movies coming up. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to mention that, like, when it comes to trippy stuff, uh, the thing that really sticks out in my mind is when the Akazaya are marching towards the yeah. port. Um, there's a lot of really cool uh, contrast. And uh, the one, the thing that uh, we've covered this, I think, on our Seven Samurai episode or a bunch of Kurosawa episodes that we've done. But uh, Kurosawa tends to. Uh, he sort of mo- like he lets the characters uh, lead the movement of the camera basically. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's sort of uh, what those, I think uh, that sort of uh, those, those panels sort of evoke that a little bit. Um, and it also helps that the manga is in black and white, which most of Kurosawa's movies are in black and white. So it's very <laughs> easy to make that comparison uh, either way. Uh, I kind of have to be remiss. I don't want to derail the Wano talk, but like, we were talking about Oda's uh, Little Mermaid influences, yeah, but we didn't yeah. say anything about Fishman Island. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here he comes. No, Go I'm for done. it. I mean, Go for we've it. already dis- we've no, discussed no. Fishman Island as far as its uh, political <laughs> implications, but we never talk about it for its design implications. Look, we talk about Fishman as as Island for all of its implications all the time. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Well, like the uh, there's been several uh, color spreads he's even done with like an undersea world mm. with like which are very invocative of the uh, not only the kiss me girl, but the under the sea uh, C- Sebastian sequence. Oh, yeah. Of like Congo playing goddamn fish. <laughs> saw that crap. Having having watched that movie in the last like two weeks. Uh, yeah, there's there, there's a lot. He definitely lifted from that and was inspired by for sure. Um especially in the color spreads it's way more evident i'll be honest like or or like uh, they're they're um you know one piece the, the of celebration at the end yeah they're they yeah. parties yeah. at the end that one is very much like oh this is this is the little mermaid party this well, is <laughs> yes, and it. that's another and that's another thing that like is unique to one piece as well like oftentimes uh even shown in other series where there's a victory the character there's like somber victories but when one piece when they turn up the party it's like oh blast like a big affair like a disney <laughs> big thing where like all everyone's there and everyone's like cheers and like m- mugs are flying and people are flying to there doing acrobatics and i think he, from his uh his cartoon influences mm. he draws that he, he's drawing that into his series as well that you don't see in other manga because like other mangas do more subdued more naturalistic kind of like mm-hmm people were reflecting on like the consequences of the battle or like the experiences they went through. But like one piece is like, no, nah, we're fucking flipping tables in this bitch. <laughs> Oda, Oda's very into like representing emotions visually, you know, like really putting it all out there, um, which, yeah, it probably does come from a love of Western cartoons, uh, the, the uh, Tom and Jerry's and Disney's of the world. <laughs> <clears throat> 
<clears throat> Absolutely. I, I do think it's it's interesting in that same vein that Wano is sort of like uh, a Disney-fied uh, Jedi Geki uh, in a way. Uh, yeah, I think they have those in Japan too, those, those amusement parks where you can walk around an old-timey town and stuff. Oh, yeah, Didn't they you do. do that? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't an amusement park, but we did. They 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 have tourist uh, traps, certainly that are like that. I mean, they have those in the United States too. But I, oh man, they know, can trap different. me all day long, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was yeah, I don't say, think an amusement yeah. park was the right way to. I just meant like a thing well, that the whole point of it. They also have yeah. Disney amusement parks there too. So you know, True. The, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting when the uh, Wano's all over and they celebrate like this. The probably like well, they're in the fire festival now, but like yeah. They've they've done this several times in the series where like the island has a specific culture and how they like to do things and then the straw hats come and kind of like completely upend that and do it their way. <laughs> Especially when it comes to partying, you're you're gonna party yeah. our way here. It's it's gonna be crazy. I did want to mention yeah. uh, a little more more about Wano and folklore. Um, uh, talking about the Disney and and Western influences for a second. One of the things I'm a little disappointed in folklore wise is the serious lack of yokai. Uh, yeah. but the, the form we do get them in is uh, so weird because it's big bombs, homies, uh, and, uh, a few of the Oron, but the homies are just, it, it's such a weird juxtaposition of these very like Fleischer Western influenced, uh, kind yeah. of designs mimicking, yeah. uh, Japanese yokai. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's so crazy to see like yokai, which I'm so used to seeing in like the Mizuki Shigeru Mizuki model, um, which has just kind of permeated the way that they're depicted everywhere in Japan. But like yeah. with that, yeah, that sort of Oda Disney spin on them. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like thriller bark is the inverse where it's these mm-hmm. more Western horror tropes, but also with like a Japanified. Spin uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Japan spin. He put on like some of the characters, like uh, those three little minions that like Moria had. Uh, and, I can't think of the names right now. Oh, the Risky Brothers. Like, not the Risky Brothers. There's three of them. Uh, I know like who you're messengers. talking about. Yeah, I, 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 but I don't remember oh, their names. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those dudes. Yeah, because like they have very much like they feel more like a Japan kind of like small creature as mm. opposed to anything I, we've ever produced. I've seen produced in the West anyway. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's a good point. That it, it's this like I I mean that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning too. It's that. One Piece is this kind of really cool melting pot of all sorts of Japanese culturally inspired things and also everywhere else. Like we we talk about like the and we'll talk about this in, in some of the international episodes, I'm sure, in the future. But like you have Grey Terminal based on a real place in the Philippines. Uh, Zoe, you know, had uh, roots in, in Southeast Asia and um yeah, Alabasta, you know, in the Middle East and all of that kind of stuff. And you also get that, I think, in the cultural in the um in the film and the media that he's influenced by, which is really cool. And in Wano even I, I didn't really think of it like that, but yeah, it's really cool that like Big Mom is this Alice in Wonderland esque, you know, Fleischer character coming into a Japanese movie almost. It's like well, <laughs> we often forget she's a foreigner there too. Yeah. yeah. But she's yeah. she's dr- dressed the part. Nose. She's yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, the uh, the other folklore stuff I wanted to touch on briefly was uh, one thing I mentioned in our uh, the previous fight together that we're on is uh, Okiku is named after a vengeful spirit from 
a story in folklore that gets uh, drowned by a noble and well and comes back for vengeance. Mm. Um, but something from uh, Japanese folklore that I really dig into in One Piece as a whole is the uh, the meto, uh, the legendary swords. Like that's ever since playing like uh... Final Fantasy games and learning about Masamune, Masamune uh, is. Uh, something that I've been excited about. So it's always fun when those come to the forefront and just everything with the, the Shusui and Enma and the, uh, the Chekhov's gun that is, I mean, no Habakiri, the, um, the, the serpent slaying sword that in, uh, in actual Japanese folklore is what Susano used to slay Orochi. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and the fact that we, we've got this, uh, Odin's sword that is specifically called the Serpent Slayer, just kind of waiting around for something to happen. Momonosuke, they a, said, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, a big dragon man who's not is, dead. Uh, oh, well, there's also Orochi who's probably not dead, so I guess Momonosuke mm-hmm. could uh, step up there and try and use that sword again. That would be interesting too, I guess. But yeah, I'm I'm waiting for something to happen with that. But the, like that's. Those are big, like folklore and old Japanese literary influences that I'm happy when they, whenever they pop up. And I mean, it goes, yeah. it goes without saying that Momotaro has been a humongous uh, influence, of course, oh, in this yeah. particular arc. And we've talked yeah. about it at, mm-hmm. at, at, at ad nauseum, really, um, on the podcast. But it, it, you know, it's worth mentioning here too. Yeah, and I'm sure yeah, and that's all stuff that like came to Oda probably through cartoons he watched as a kid and stuff. The very first time I ever learned about Momotaro was from watching a Doraemon episode in a Japanese class. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm sure he was just bombarded by this stuff. Um, and you know, um, I'm sure you know his parents and teachers told the folk tales too. But um, I think it all comes from the media that he was consuming. I, I'm. I think with media in general, I was uh, listening to the Talking Simpsons uh, guys talking about the Flintstones and, mm. you know, talking about the Simpsons took a lot of stuff from the Flintstones, but the Flintstones also stole a lot of shit, you know, from uh, existing the media. The honey, Well, obviously yeah. the Honeymooners, mm-hmm. but there was also, I think, a comic strip they said called like, what the hell was it? It wasn't the Flintstones. It was something similar, though, that they were, orig- <laughs> they were originally going <laughs> to... <No. laughs> They were originally going to name it like the same name and they had to change it to what it ended up being because it was oh. such a, yeah. So like, but like, this is just like kind of how media reinvents itself a lot of times through theft, which I think is something that's been mentioned on the Simpsons and South Park and stuff in the past. But like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like influences, whether um, innately or, or, you know, on purpose explicitly, um, end up being passed down from generation to generation to generation in all sorts of ways. And it's, it's uh, Zach, are you saying that the will is carried on? <laughs> I, mean, I, I wouldn't say something like that. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about there, Brian. <laughs> uh, Alex, sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's all, it should also be brought up that like in terms of the media that Oda consumed, I feel like we got to bring up Vicky the Viking. And- I was about oh, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. googling the name to get it right. I was yeah, like, the Viking show. Vicky the Viking, and I believe Jungle King Tarchan as well were both influences on on Oda. And uh, hasn't he also mentioned the uh, Asterix as well? Ah, yeah. Is that? I mean, that that would make sense in terms of his art style a lot. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when uh, Water Seven was coming out, and Kokoro and Chimney's designs were really European looking to me. 
Like they looked like something out of, uh, I kind of cut my teeth on European comics a little bit. Uh, so it was very like, whoa, this is more like, that's when I think Oda's designs got really, really wacky. Mm. Like when Water yeah, 7. Yeah, Obelix is a total One Piece design. Yeah, absolutely. Like a- everything that comes out of Water 7 to me was, that was sort of an evolution of Oda's, uh, Oda's uh, influential art. Like he's he's basically like, okay, I've made it this big. Now I can do whatever I want. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I won't get too much flack for it. Yeah, he didn't have to play this safe. Because like, even his initial approach with a lot of his characters are we can draw reference to like a monkey punk, like Sanji's design. Mm-hmm. Pike pretty much like, yeah, exactly. Make, driving me crazy getting into Lupin stuff. I was like, because I never see it really acknowledged. I could never find a source for it. But like people having like men having hairy legs and the Sanji's whole <laughs> deal is very, it seems very monkey punch to me. Look, some men yeah, do have he, hairy legs. It's okay. And even, <laughs> and even the way he exaggerates like uh, facial expressions and eyes, it's, it's the same cartoony uh, approach that he did it where like, mm-hmm. I mean that, and that goes back to like Otomo and uh, uh, what's uh, what am I blanking on? Not Otomo. Uh, Astro boy. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Otomo. Tessica. Thank you. Yeah. Osama Tessica. Yeah, uh, until you brought it up just now, Shannon, I actually didn't even make that connection that like, oh, yeah, Sanji is very much a Lupin-esque. Yeah, I uh, didn't feel like we may have talked about that in the past. I feel like it's been driving me nuts. I might have brought it up at some point. Like the way he draws, (laughs) uh, they both draw hands. Yeah, and like Sanji's yeah. feet, especially early on mm-hmm. in his in his boots. He, I mean, he obviously he looks like Steve Buscemi, but the whole like his aesthetic and I know it's like well, obviously in real life, like men have hairy legs, but how often do you see that in no, you're right. or in any yeah. cartoons? It's like I've got these two right here. Yeah, <laughs> for like a lot of characters, not just like one specifically. Hairy I finally guy, feel like. represented in media. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's there's re- production reasons why we don't always draw every detail. Of every well, detail yeah, that's that's person. a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I do feel like Sanji and, and Lupin are the same. They have the same horny energy mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like those are very cut from the same cloth. Um, just, I, I mean, Oda like and, and him. Yeah. With, with him and Nami. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. He's totally ready to dive out of his clothes. <laughs> I'm surprised that Oda hasn't done that gag. Or like the Goemon and yeah. Zoro being similar uh-huh. from the same oh, archetype. Yeah. They don't look alike. Yeah. but like they're And even Nami and Fujimai. Like the same kind of like them fatal thief that's like mm-hmm. yeah i'll play the game but then i'm i have my own agenda i would love for if if any someone can ask oda that at some point in an interview <laughs> because i keep thinking about it as i'm going through lupon stuff i'm like it has to be but i've never found any kind of source I'm, for it I'm other wondering, than like, interesting yeah I'm wondering uh, if mine is an anagram of nami but i, I doubt it <laughs> well, <laughs> <Yeah>. kind, almost <laughs> I mean, Smoker's just like a less a silly Zinigana. Well, I, well, that's yeah. Well, yeah. that yeah, we've talked about Omake that. shows. Can we get the the One Piece Lupin? Oh, I uh, would die. Special. I would yeah, I'm so actually. So I, I, so what what company produces uh, Lupin today in the TMS. anime? TMS. 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 Ah, the great TMS. TMS. Yeah, the great yep, TMS. They did, they did Batman back in the day. They did yeah, no, Tiny I would, Tunes, All the I good just, episodes. It's just it's, it's like One Piece is like on an island because of toy is like kind of on an island. I feel like like so you don't get that kind of I don't know. Uh, there's the Conan crossovers with Lupin. Yes, really yeah. Weird. I don't know which company does Conan. I think TMS also did the uh, Nemo anime that we were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would it make sense. Yeah, it looks it's gorgeous. I mean, it's TMS. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. 
Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, right. It's kind of boring, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really pretty. <laughs> I, I kind of, um, I do want to ask around and touch a little bit on like, uh, as far as film structure goes, like the structure of Oda's arcs, right? Because they're a little like, you know, they do follow a shonen formula similarly, but like I keep coming back to Whole Cake Island and that's very much supposed to be like a film, right? Like it mm. has an, it, it has a, I think the the one of the last, uh, one of the last chapter titles, correct me if I'm wrong, is called Staff Roll or, or Credit Roll. Yeah, and End Roll or something like that, yeah. That's such a, that like, I think that's such a cool thing. Like that, that entire arc to me has, it's got an overture and it yeah. has a finale it, and it reads sort of like a, a Disney musical. Well, and, and also Skypea, the chapters and the volume titles are like literally lifted from that structure. I think there's yes. like overture well, and he, yeah, he was using musical influence in that, in that one. Well, and also the way, I Sorry. mean, Joey is, is probably the, the most qualified to address this too, but like even the way he uh, lays out his panels are always cinematic. I think he, I feel like you're, he's, looking at it from like a director's perspective sometimes in the passage of time. Oh, versus uh, a comic. Place. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of his double page spreads, he doesn't give a shit where, exactly. where, where those two pages meet. <laughs> Cause in a movie, would you care where the pages meet? <laughs> but but um, yeah, it's really fascinating comparing him to Tezuka. Who's another artist who like very specifically thought about his, his works, even if it was uh manga as being, like using the language of cinema to the point where Tezuka had the whole like star system and everything. Yeah. And not um, even just cinema, but also just a uh, movement and animation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even uh, I, I don't know how much uh, Oda has talked about Tezuka's in kind of influence, but both of them definitely have that, that eye uh, that uh, for, for visual medium medium as a whole, not just, Mm-hmm. The, the drawn page. Yeah. Well, one one influence of his we never mentioned is obviously uh, Akira Toriyama, who mm-hmm. is who has gone on record saying he was directly influenced by Tetsuka. Yeah, yeah. yeah Toriyama and Disney. Those are the two mm-hmm. things that Toriyama ever brings up is uh, Tezuka and Hundred and One Dalmatians. Um, Inherited will. He'll ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was just looking. So chapter nine oh two is end roll, and I forgot. So it has the film strip, like like actual the film reel thing. I forgot that I guess Stephen or whoever the the uh, designer was also used that like old timey silent film font and everything that, to go with it. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and it, it, there's it's it's very uh, visceral in uh, in in how it's portrayed. I, I really like that. You know, I can't recall seeing that in any manga I've read before. Um, and, and to me, uh, to me that the way that arc ends is like a perfect, a perfect ending, a perfect encapsulation. If that, it's that double shot of Sanji and Zef. Um, yeah. Like I, as much as, uh, you know, there's some retroactive continuity with Sanji in that arc. I don't mind it because I think it's a really great story uh, from start to finish. And uh, I think the way it's framed uh, helps with that. Well, I, I've, when, I've made that, I made that case before also for Thriller Bark as well. Mm. Like, the concept, like the simple fact that the first people he put on that Island are the people who would be most scared to be on that Island is the, is the horror trope of like the monsters always under your bed and it's always right behind you. If you threw 
Luffy, Zoro, Frankie, or Robin on that island, and that's the, your first interaction introduction to the creatures on the island, it doesn't feel like a horror movie. Because mm. they'd be capable. That's not how, You put your most vulnerable people, the people who are the first victims of the monsters, first and foremost, so that the monster mm. feels like a threat and an escalating threat the whole time. But, yeah, when, when you've been talking about um, comparing the way he structures arcs uh, to film has really, like, got my gears going and I've been thinking about it. And a thing that I find is different uh, in a lot of Japanese film compared to other um, nations films uh, as a general thing uh, is that I often will hear people say that they have trouble with this. And I do occasionally too, depending on my mood (laughs) that a lot of times Japanese movies take a while to like get to where they're going. Like they will start off with a kind of large section of the movie devoted to just kind of spending time with the characters and stuff. And, um, and I think that's a really cool thing about Japanese film, but I can also see how sometimes I'm not in the mood for that. I'm like, <laughs> when, when is this movie going to get started? You know? And I think that one piece has that too, where every time one of the most fun parts of one piece is those first several chapters when you just get to an Island and you're just kind of exploring it and meeting new characters and stuff like that. And you don't necessarily know like what the thrust of the arc is going to be, who who the main thread is or what um, point Oda is going to try to make uh, with this Island. Uh, But you get to just sort of like screw around and spend time with uh, the characters. I mean, the, the series as a whole operates that way too. Yeah. Like, like I, I say, if you if by the time you get to Arlong, you're not digging it, you're probably not going to dig it. But that's still mm-hmm. like 90 chapters into the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 books. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good get started. That's why I tell everyone, you read the first 100, it sounds like a lot, but it's only 10% of it. If you don't like the first 100, you might. The stuff, later stuff is better, but you don't force yourself Look, through it. Guys, just read the first 1,000 chapters. If you don't like it, you could drop it after 1,000, you know? Uh, yeah. Just get, get through well, it. It's like and, when I tell people that Final Fantasy is <laughs> maybe one of the best, or Final Fantasy 14 is maybe one of the best ones. All you have to do is play an MMO for like a hundred hours before you know. What <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's yeah. one of those things in comparison to like other series where like they 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 have to they attach you much quicker, and I think part of that comes from uh, Oda's uh, story selling sensibilities that he knew that this was a bigger thing. He knew that there would be like he apparently has this conclusion in mind, so he's building towards that. Versus other manga artists, because of the nature of this weekly serialized format, I think yeah. they just they just start with like I got a cool idea, and then where do I go from here? And they're like, uh, mm-hmm. and this person shows up, uh, and uh, power escalation there. Uh. But Oda's like, no, I know where this is going. I know I want to tell many stories as we go through, so I just construct a story narratively with a beginning, middle, and end, and then I move on. I think just like constant, he constantly consumes media and he's constantly putting out new media every single week. And, and there's, you definitely feel that cycle, uh, going on. Um, are there, are there any final thoughts, uh, you all have, uh, we're definitely gonna, I, I think do an episode in the future and Alex particularly want to invite you ahead of time about music, uh, and, and one piece, because I feel like that is a, a very, very uh, full and lengthy topic to talk about as well. But mm-hmm. about film and media, are there any other points that you guys want to get off your chest here? I wanted to say, like, when, like, I've 
watched a lot of movies. I'm very into film and other media, video games, comics, and everything. And you can kind of tell sometimes when an artist or writer or filmmaker has had life experiences or has gone out of their way to seek out media outside of their bubble, like we were talking about. And I think that's one of the most important things you can do as an artist is to challenge mm -hmm. yourself and look for new things, even if it's not the kind of thing you would normally watch or it seems boring or it seems weird. Like that is one of the best ways to grow as an artist and, and to make your work stand out, in my opinion. And Oda is like the king of that, of just like taking in so much. He, it seems to me like I don't know if this is like a parasocial projection that he has this curiosity about people and this curiosity mm -hmm. about art that feeds into it that I have always kind of responded to and love. So if you're making something, please don't. It's like if you're making a horror comic, don't just look at horror stuff like branch out and then the work that you make you'll be richer as a person and the work you make will be more fun for me to read so that's my yeah. like like end point like drawing comparisons with like comedies and then like uh uh, uh european storytelling and like japanese and then chinese storytelling all these things will only make your work better like i've literally i literally had an email conversation with someone who was like i don't watch anime he's like i just can't and i'm like but when you just like alex was saying it's like it's not just like Anime is not like uh, a genre. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a technique, and there's genres within anime. So I'm like, well, Cowboy Bebop's amazing. That's anime, but like I wouldn't just say, oh, it's the it doesn't have the same tropes that uh, uh, Dragon Ball or even Sailor Moon would have. Mm -hmm. I can I can like I always I always think of it like this like uh, like what would my mom watch? <laughs> and there's probably no way I can get my mom to watch Dragon Ball or even One Piece, but I could probably sit her down and get her to watch Cowboy Bebop. Mm -hmm. And that or would even be like only yesterday or something like Tokyo that. Godfathers, yeah. uh, something, yeah. something millennial like, actress, yeah, yeah, something that could be a film, like very easily a film. Just uh, I think a lot of people have this misconception with with uh, uh, anime and manga. That, you know, oh, it's just big eyes, big mouth, sweat drops, you know, very limited frame, uh, frame rate, like, uh, and sometimes, you know, really violent action and, and titties. Like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, that, that's, I, I think, people's misconceptions on anime. That, and I think right. po Pokemon, of course, uh, has, mm. has done a, a service, I guess, yeah. to this country but, in and, terms and of people what people make expect. Yeah, and people make misconceptions about that, about with everything, about horror, about yeah. drama, about uh, uh, comedies as well. Because, and, and sometimes like the, the the worst representatives of those arcs are those tropes rise to the top. But then, mm -hmm. like when you get in a little deeper, just like you know, watch the best of. Just go through an IMD list of like the greatest like uh, action movies, the greatest horror movies, the greatest romantic comedies, and you're like, okay, I like even as a kid, I was like, there's a value to everything. If not just the fact that like you can have a, a shared understanding of a, of a piece of media or a book or a story or a history that you would make you a more fulfilling human being because you only get to live once. So why not experience as much of this world as possible from I, various people's perspectives? I, I think V and, and Joey put it really well at the beginning, like, you know, having friends that get us to get out of our comfort zones um, and get and as Shannon put it out, out of our bubble. Uh, help us grow as creators, help us grow as individuals. And, you know, being able to do that is, uh, you know, being able to get your past your, past your own prejudices or past your own um, preconceptions 
uh, or misconceptions um, is often uh, what helps you grow. So yeah, sometimes it's just hard to get past that initial thing. I think I, you know, myself included with media particularly. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Ebert said, I'm now just go ahead. real fast. Ebert said film is a machine that generates empathy. I think that applies to one piece too. <laughs> most of the time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, right. what are you saying, B? Not always with Sancho, uh, but sometimes with Sancho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm just imagining like some person in France who the only American movie they've ever actually seen is like Porky's. And so that's <laughs> what they think all American cinema is. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. God, just like. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was, oh, wait, I was literally. I didn't like oh. it, so I tried Porky's too, and it was more of the same. <laughs> Congrats. I was literally having this conversation with friends. Like, I, I'm sure some of you have either heard or have seen Birdemic, right? Oh, yeah. Familiar. Yeah. No. I, I'd have to imagine, like, the, the bird from Hitchcock is, like, the only movie that person has ever seen. They saw it once as a kid and no other movies. <laughs> I love these ideas of these people who only are able to see one movie. Um, well, as, I'll ask this also, then. If... If for some reason you have this person in a bubble and you had to uh, bring a piece of One Piece to them, and this is a question we get all the time, so I'm just going to phrase it a little differently. I'm not going to say what episode should they start with, because I think most of us on the show at least say start with the beginning. But like, which, I guess, is the best distillation of One Piece as a media um, for someone who has no idea what they're about to get into? Uh, you mean like which, like I would choose the manga you over could, you the could anime? Choose, the... No, no, you could choose like a chapter, a volume, mm. a movie, an episode, a song, if, a whatever. If I was trying to sell people on it, different people require different things. That's a good point. Well, I guess that just best represents it. As, as like yeah. a media but, I mean I but think that's how I use the cell one piece like it has something it's like it. a Pokemon might be the one thing that people see for about anime or whatever it is if like if you could proliferate one piece of one piece that everyone is going to associate with one piece I guess that that might be a better way to phrase it yeah I, I mean I think best... it's not a good place to start but I think that the reason why Ennius lobby and 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 water seven is like a lot of people's favorite arcs uh, mine included is that it does kind of exemplify all the best qualities of one piece in one arc mm-hmm. you know it has the a, an interesting location it has like colorful crazy characters it has uh emotional moments both in a backstory and in uh very very emotional moments between the crew it also builds on stuff that have been building uh from past arcs and so i think to me kind of the sort of like perfect picture of what one piece is is uh is water seven but uh i don't know maybe a movie or something might be more (laughs) digestible yeah i was gonna say my the thing that i would show to a friend who was interested in one piece um but wasn't like completely sold and i actually had some friends who are familiar with one piece but not like super into it uh we actually watched film gold Mm. uh in a discord chat and the, I, I feel like that has a like broad appeal in the storytelling. Uh, it looks great, but it also gives you like a good feel for most of the, the crew members. And there's enough like actual pathos that gets through it that, uh, that gives you a, a, a hint that there's like more going on. This is not just like 
big weird characters and superpowers. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. Stampede. That's what Stampede's for. Yeah, that's. that's <laughs> the movie. Uh, I, I often go I. to. J- just for just a general audience appeal, like we were talking a lot about like media and myth and storytelling and influences. Chopper's like two episode backstory. Mm-hmm. I can pretty much show that to anybody. It's like, hey, this is like one of the most incredible things, like little small pieces of a story. But you don't really have to know what a devil fruit is. Yeah. I think that's the largest extent of it. But it's a, it's a really human bare bones story that takes place all with these like two chapters. And like if you're if you uh, draw an emotion from it and you want to find out more, like what happens to Wapple and like, is that asshole going to get his ass kicked? And I was like, oh, then you can keep watching and reading. Can I change my answer to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, gold is perfect. You're, you're, yeah. you're actually BB. So the Chopper Maria movie is. A... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the Chopper movie is maybe a good uh, way to throw that at somebody, <laughs> you know? I, uh, so every week we've been, me and uh, my girlfriend have been watching, uh, we've been doing like a movie night and we each like alternate picking movies. And I think maybe one time I'm, I'm just going to be like, we're not going to watch a movie night. We're going to watch the One Piece Chopper uh, story arc. Um, Cause I think that like she'd enjoy that uh, as somebody who, you know, I, I would call her a casual uh, anime viewer in that like she loves film. So if something is good, regardless of you know if it's animated live action or whatever she'll enjoy it um and i do think that like the chopper stuff is a really great self-contained it it might be i think the best uh short self-contained thing in one piece that and brooks backstory i think are very nice um those two those are the two things that kind of jump out at me um but i did get a friend into one piece by taking him to see stampede uh, yeah you told me about that (laughs) that's nuts because he was like, yeah, I, he likes Dragon Ball, and and it's the action, yeah. It's all the, and I was like, well, if you fighting. like, you're gonna like this because it's just nothing but nonstop action, and uh, don't even worry about asking questions. Um, <laughs> and he knew a little bit about One Piece too prior to that. Uh, he at the end, yeah, he asked me, how come? So there's two people who have the firepower. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm like uh, yeah, kind of. You'll and then he did like a little deep dive and texted me a whole bunch of crazy questions. Uh, and then uh, I've lent him uh, up to Skypea at this point. So he's I mean, a good chunk of One Piece now. I'll I'll say as far as media and film, the my experience going to see Stampede in a theater is what was like the craziest and most fun experience I've had. I took a friend from work who is into one piece but like had never seen uh any anime film in theater in in theaters and it was just like in the middle of Times square raucous crowd it was really fun and crazy like every time something happened you know it's an anime movie crowd you know what Mm-hmm. Sure, everyone here knows what you're. Oh no, you're I saw I saw Promare in the theater. Yeah, Promare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They don't. They I don't, don't say. I don't think they say <laughs> the title in the movies. So I. That's that was a good time in the theaters too. I yeah. saw the Alabasta movie in theaters. <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> it was embarrassing. That I mean, it's also it's also the worst movie. It, it is, brought yeah. like my family and my friend, like uh, people mm. I was with, walked out, and it was all it was just. I was like, "That's not like this." It was just, it was awful. That's, I'll that's, never that's, watch One Piece again. Yeah, um, that's my, really interesting. My answer 
it's, it's difficult because I love uh, Baron Omatsuri so much, but it's not, yeah. it's like a bait and switch. And it's, I used yeah. to, I had, I probably won't do it now, but I plan to do a video essay on Cagliostro, the Miyazaki Lupin movie, mm-hmm. which is also not like most other Lupin stuff. It's like, there may be a really good introduction, but you just have to warn people, like, the tone is going to be really different. Like, Baron mm-hmm. Omatsuri's a lot darker and Cagliostro's a lot, like, sweeter. But I think just for, like, friends of mine who are, like, film fans or might be, like, Hosoda fans, it's just like, I, love that movie yeah. even though it's a lot the tone is different yeah i, I yeah, always yeah. say like that's the best movie yes. in one piece but it's not the best one piece film i agree it's, mm. it's it's by it's by far the best looking uh i would say that the like like zed uh the, the the later ones i think are really really good too but um but yeah baron amatsuri is such a it's such a beautiful beautiful movie and i think that uh you don't really need to know anything about one piece to watch it Mm-hmm. That that helps too. It's yeah. pretty self explanatory. Yeah. But but if you then like the way that these characters' dynamics are at in the first like I don't know third of the movie, then you know maybe check the series out. I uh, I guess to plug <laughs> Blade Looking Thieves, um, I recently listened to uh to them cover it, and mm-hmm. it was very interesting to hear their opinion on uh, on uh, on Baron Matsuri, and they all have different, uh, of course, Grant being one of them. Uh, they all have different experiences with One Piece, so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was very interesting hearing uh, an outsider's perspective on on that movie. Mm-hmm. I hope Matsuri is far and away my favorite of the films, but I, it's it's such a weird pitch because <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to people who were super into One Piece or curious about One Piece. I'd recommend it to to like you said, people who are curious about Hosoda or just like a very specific kind of uh, anime film. Mm-hmm. I I really hope it gets uh its very deserved release one day uh, here. I wish I've had this some weird bootleg of it for sixteen years. I have some DVD, <laughs> unofficial DVD. It might be like a Hong Kong. I don't know. I have it somewhere. Still. Well, they came out with it in uh, the UK, okay. but I heard it was a very bad quality. Like the I heard all for all the movies. I heard they weren't very like oh, they really? weren't up to snuff. Is is what I had I, heard. I think what Ooh. they do is they um I think the Blu-rays were put through uh you know that whatever disney's been doing with their remasters where they just like put it through that yeah that weird process that that takes away any sort of like raw pencil pencil line and just makes everything a little more you know especially for all that scrub it for that art style yeah yeah well, I, I think the studio oh, whoever is doing that needs to be put out of their misery. <laughs> As we said, Brian's very violent today. Um, it's, it sucks. I love the Sword in the Stone, but I'll never buy the Blu-ray because it looks like <laughs> shit. Like, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I, I think Omatsuri, like the way to describe, it's like the perfect extra treat to get as like a if you are a fan of one piece or if you've you know if you've um engorged yourself with one piece media i think it's just such an excellent it is an excellent movie and it's an excellent supplement in a like this is like almost a what if kind of you know like Mm -hmm. let's take this into a darker territory although a lot of the you know there is a lot of that darkness that I, I think I watched it right before the Shabari material happened in the manga. Ooh. And there are so many parallels. I won't spoil people about movie six or well, I'll spoil people about Shabari, but or Sabaudi. Um, but it's there are, I, I you know, I think in I know that I, from what I've heard, there, there are a lot of people in Japan who are not a fan of it because of how dark it gets. But at the same time, I think it's a precursor to a lot of that stuff in the you know, manga. It's it's plenty possible because, like, um, 
uh, Toriyama mentioned this, how he adapted uh, Dragon Ball's art style based on what they were doing with the Dragon Ball uh, anime series that uh, Oda saw like movie six and was like, oh, that's not the way I'd do it. Right. <laughs> and tried mm-hmm. to like do it his own way, even if he was planning to separate them mm-hmm. at some point. But what's really cool about One Piece is I think, and it's kind of what Joey was saying too, is the characters, you know, we have lived with these characters, um, which which may be a uniquely japanese thing too i don't know but like we've lived with these characters in all sorts of situations we know how they would act in all all sorts of situations and it really lends lends it to other creators taking these characters into crazy directions that you would never you know expect or you would never you would hope oda would never take them but they 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 have a lot of that i think uh flexibility because you know how Luffy would react if this and this and this happened or Chopper. Yeah. Uh, what, what's great about movie six, it's throwing the, uh, the straw hat characters into another movie mm-hmm. yeah, or into another series. It's like, Oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not the world of one piece. This is berserk. Yeah. I, I mean, it's very much Alex. like berserk. Yeah. The last, the last the third last, of the movie is, yeah. is, is, I can only imagine listening to this and not having seen the movie being like, what is this? But it's all it's, true. Yeah, well, yeah watch, it, the movie, watch it if you can. It's, it's got great. body horror. It's got uh, yep. my, my my only beef with it is that I don't like they. I think it needs a little bit of explanation uh, in terms of like why the straw hats are really visceral at each other because it it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. But that's that's mm. my that's my only criticism of it. Mm-hmm. I, I it needs I think a hair more exposition. I would but, be so interested in just seeing a full documentary on how that movie was made and like. Uh, what like what went behind even like Hosoda taking them into this direction? It's, well, it's so uh, interesting. there's the whole like yeah common common nerd wisdom, and who knows if this is like true? But I, I mm. I've seen this in like reputable sources is that it's a commentary on his time uh, at Studio Ghibli. Oh yeah, where he was supposed to make Howl's Moving Castle, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then uh, just couldn't deal with the uh, the overbearing. Boss man uh, and, oh, and, and 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 general environment, uh, which is a sort of like cheerful on the outside, but uh, really really rough Soul on the inside. On the inside. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. So supposedly That's... it's a commentary on that, but you know, I can see it. Take I that with a grain of salt. I can completely see it. That's yeah. very or at cool. least, even if that wasn't a direct comparison, maybe like it kind of like seeped into the concept of the movie. So mm-hmm. much much like Ava, it was based on a relationship around Miyazaki, wasn't that? Wasn't that the case with Ava as well? Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I believe it was written by um, Masahiro Ito as well. Um, for those of, uh, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the Silent Hill series, but I believe he wrote uh, mm. the Silent Hill video games, which uh, le- lends a lot of credence. Written by Ito? Yes. And I, I watched think this that, when I was like 15, so I didn't know. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while because it's not available. That's the problem. Yeah, um, and it's it's uh, and he also wrote the next One Piece movie too, uh, the uh, Kata, Katakuri Island. The, uh, the yeah, that's a very different movie. That is a very different movie. The bouncing boob movie is what I call that. Yeah, <laughs> he wrote every bounce into that script. Yeah, but, Did he? but he wrote <laughs> no. But so he's the um, so yeah, he worked on the Silent Hill uh, franchise as the monster designer. And he designed designer. Pyramid Head. His Twitter is great. He talks about eating toast all the time and stuff. It's really cute. <laughs> I really like, him. I like for real, he's one of my favorite people to follow. That's crazy. Yeah, I I didn't know that until very recently, and I know that I think the scenario was given to them by by Toei, but he wrote it. 
and Hosoda directed it, which is so it's it's like this weird, it's like a perfect storm of like this movie shouldn't exist. I didn't um, even realize. Uh, oh, he Akio- said sorry. Ito said on Twitter, it's a different Masahiro Ito. Uh, oh, really? Right uh, sorry to because I was like, did I uh, look at his Twitter? But I they mean, have the same feel name. Like it would f- it'd feel like it would fit. I didn't realize the the the, the latter. <laughs> It's so By crazy. the way, the latter third of this podcast is just going to be us talking about movie six. I didn't realize Akio Otsuka was also the voice of Omatsuri, the Black yeah, Bears voice, too. It's, it's like it's, crazy. It's, it's, it's a little lazy. I'm not going to lie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I didn't know that there were two Masahiro Ito. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I, that's uh, that's pretty in, funny. That I, I guess yeah, In the entertainment field, d- d- who could yeah. conceivably work the same It looks way. like it's come up on Twitter at least a few times, and he's been like, no. Different, different guy. So, so have ha, is this podcast like a a public debunking of, uh, of where that the uh, what's it called? Um, what's the website? Um, I got him. Snopes. 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 Thank yeah. you. Snopes of One Piece. We're Snopes one piece podcast. Snopes. Snopes together. Snopes, Snopes together. together. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I hopefully that movie comes out. I think that is a really cool look at like. How One Piece, I guess, is like intertwined with Japanese media too. Because like, whenever I watch any of Hosoda's movies, I do think of o- o- Omatsuri um, a little bit mm-hmm. at least. Um, it's he's a great it's, filmmaker. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that he made it. They got like I haven't like I need to watch more of the recent One Piece movies, but I saw a bunch of the early ones and I was like, eh. Then I got traumatized yeah. by seeing the Alabasta movie, and I'm just not as yeah. Like when you get a director that has their vision or whatever. And and you you see these characters you're familiar with through that it, you can such cool stuff could happen and I wish they could be more experimental with the brand. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's that's what the I, whole yeah. reason why anyone it's the whole reason why anyone gives a shit about Digimon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could do like an animatrix thing even for One Piece where you get like different directors like taking their take mm-hmm. on it, like doing whatever the hell they want with it. Basically, mm-hmm. that would like be that art show. Yeah, like or um, what's the what's the one that uh, shit? Love and robots. No, the, uh, the robot carnival or something. Mm. You know, just oh, yeah, something completely Car- out of the box uh, would be really cool. But I don't know if I see them doing that with this prized there, property. Yeah, there are a few. Yeah, that's the problem because it's like yeah, one piece yeah. is like Disney over there. Now let's take Chopper. Guarded brand. Yeah, <clears throat> let's take Chopper and make him look like this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what were we gonna say, Brian? Sorry. No, I was actually going to say, like, uh, I don't know how reticent the Japanese uh, entertainment animation community is for that. Yeah. But, like, there are anthologies of various filmmakers working together doing short or even longer form uh, formats in, like, and then being released either together or in a DVD Blu-ray format. But, yeah, One Piece is, it's, it's, it's a brand. It's a market. Like, it's, it's Mario. Like, look, I'm not putting down the live action because I haven't seen it and it hasn't come out yet. Um, and we know nothing about it, but like, if you want, if, if like I get to ask for one piece of one, uh, one piece media, it would be something, you know, like completely out of the box like that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do a whole separate fight together just for that as well. Once that post, oh, post one piece, that's, that's going to be a whole other podcast probably when, whenever that <laughs> happens. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go around the horn where people could find you V where could, where could people on the internet find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at VriskaChat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Um, join me while I go through a midlife crisis where I learn guitar and skateboard. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you and Steve Buscemi skateboarding down the street. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, Joey. 
Uh, I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter and Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Um, yeah, please check out my work. Uh, Instagram is more focused on my artwork, and Twitter is kind of all over the place talking about movies and anime and One Piece and all or, all sorts of stuff, as well as my work. Um, I'm the author of the Merman graphic novel series, as well as Ghost Hog, and a semi-sequel to Ghost Hog is coming out this year in June called Dragon Racer, so please uh, pre-order that now, and uh, if you're listening to this post-June, just go ahead and buy it. Um, yeah, it's a kind of fun. If you like uh, the race scene in Film Gold, maybe you'll like uh, Dragon Racer. It's a it's a fun racing comic with uh, lots of creatures and animals and things like that. Um, and uh, I guess I'll plug our podcast, Toho Yaro. Um, that's uh, Toho as in the film studio, uh, but we don't only cover Toho movies. And then Yaro, meaning like guys or jerks or whatever. And um, yeah, and um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, yeah. I guess I won't talk about recent episodes because I don't know what we'll be covering by the time that this comes out. But um, yeah, I would recommend checking out something in the last twenty or thirty episodes um, where we've kind of switched up the format more recently, and we're a little bit more concise and breezy with the summary part, and then we really get into the uh, analyzing and talking about what we liked about the movies, what we didn't like, things like that. And um, and then, yeah, and if you dig it, uh, go back further and you can check out uh, where we cover some some classics, uh, you know, early Godzilla movies and Ikiru and, and whatever. And um, yeah, and follow Toho Yaro on Twitter, too. That would be great. Uh, the Toho Yaro Twitter account. Uh, we tweet about uh, Japanese film news as well as uh, our upcoming episodes and any sort of Japanese film uh, stuff we might run across that we think is cool. And finally, finally, uh, a long time ago, <laughs> in the distant past, we were talking about the named swords, and I really wanted to shout out a Toho Yaro favorite, uh, Drawing Pole, the uh, sword from the Samurai Trilogy. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted uh, Drawing Pole to give to get a little bit of uh, screen time here. <laughs> Alex. I, yeah, Drawing Pole is the best character in the Samurai Trilogy. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, so you can find me, uh, at dude exclamation on Twitter. Uh, this is nothing new if you listen to the one piece podcast, because I am also on that every week. You can listen to me, uh, along with the rest of our co-hosts and, uh, you can follow Weeb Simpsons on Twitter as well. If you like, uh, Simpsons plus anime shit posts, I update it whenever the hell I feel like it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, of course, listen to Hoyaro. Uh, please, uh, also watch the movies that we cover because they're great. Um, and uh, it it's always great to to broaden your horizons by watching something new and fun and cool uh, and maybe something scary, uh, <laughs> but not uh, so too scary. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. I don't. Know, I have no idea what Pulse is, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it will scare me. And it's a that is fine. Movie, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but a, but I do want to say that if you haven't watched the movie but are interested, I think our newer episodes are a lot more friendly to that kind of listener too. There, there will be some spoilers, but um, I don't know. I think that it's meant to be checked out by folks, even if you haven't seen the movie, but if you get a chance, uh, it will enhance uh, your listening <laughs> experience even more. So that's right. There's, there's only a few episodes where we just at the top, be like, shut off this podcast and listen to what, and watch one cut of the dead. Cause mm-hmm. uh, well, one, you should, everybody should watch that movie, but two, um, yeah. Don't watch. Google anything about it. Just watch it. Just watch it. Sounds um, scary. And <laughs> yes. Uh, lastly, uh, um, at the, by the time this comes out, um, this the second season of 
Super Art Fight uh, will be over, but maybe the third season will be uh, around. And you can also check uh, out the on-demand video on uh, twitch.tv slash superartfight. So uh, check that out, please. And um, uh, that's it for me. Shannon. You can find me on Twitter at Plenty of Alcos. If you go on YouTube and look up like Fake Friends, Parasocial, or Street Movies, you can find my channel. I'm the film correspondent for Struggle Session, which is at Struggle Sesh on Twitter. And I'm a player on the Teenage Superhero Body Horror Podcast, Critical Bits, which is at Critical Bitcast on Twitter. Thank you, Shannon. And Brian, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Dark King Zoro, all one word. Uh, I mean, Rick and Morty, I'm sure many of you have seen that already. And if you like it, that's fine. If you hate it, don't write to me. <laughs> Uh, and then Teen Titans Go, I'm sure I've ruined a lot of your childhoods. Uh, I'm going to ruin more of your childhoods with the CG Rugrats coming out. <laughs> oh, uh, you're... Uh, you it looks yeah, good. I've been working on I, I thought it looked yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, the, the thing about that, it's, like, it's it's just the continuation of Rugrats. No, no big shakes. That's, that's fine. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Animation Success Stories podcast is a podcast I do where we uh, talk to other industry professionals about how they got into the career, any inspirations they had, uh, trials and tribulations they crossed. Uh, you can learn a lot about uh, how people got into it. Like, there's no one way. There's multiple paths in order to uh, pursue this career or this goal that you may have if you ever thought about joining animation. Uh, it's ASS Podcast. We do find them on YouTube, I guess, I think. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> uh Make sure you type in the acronym ASS, though, and not the word, because that's a different thing. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, you could follow me at Zach underscore Logan. Uh, you can follow the podcast Fight Together is now available on its own feed, in addition to being on the main One Piece podcast feed. So if you are looking to listen to Fight Together as one stereophonic experience or whatever they called it in the 60s, uh, you could check it out. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast available in chronological order, uh, seasonally broken down. They're, they're very fancy now with their podcasts, you know, all of the podcatchers. So check, check it out that way. Uh, please follow us at One Piece Podcast if you haven't about new episodes and such. And uh, thank you all so much for coming on this episode of Fight Together. We'll see you next time, everyone. My name is Zach. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 We fight together.